Hello, everyone. My name is Hannah White, and I am the host of 1801 Live. And my name is Lyric Swinson, and I am the host of the Patchwork Feminist. Together, we partnered in order to host a 24-hour podcast-a-thon to raise money for the COVID-19 Relief Fund. While we were raising money for our fellow Gamecocks, we had help from a lot of special guests to help us raise $3,575.22. Guests included WLTX news anchor Darcy Strickland, Mayor of Columbia Steve Benjamin, Gamecock women's basketball head coach Don Staley, former Gamecock football quarterback Perry Orth, former USC student body president Joteka Eady, Incoming U of SC Provost, Dr. William Tate. Student Body President, Izzy Rushton. Some of our very own University Ambassadors. Associate Vice President of Student Life, Dr. Anna Edwards. Current Speaker of the Student Senate, J.D. Jacobus. And Student Body Treasurer, Caden Askew. U of SC President, Bob Castlin. Vice President of Student Affairs, Dr. Dennis Pruitt. SC Political Strategist and Gamecock Alumni, Corey Alpert, Lauren Harper, and Taylor Wright, in addition to the Helensky family, including Kim, Mark, and Ryan, representing the Helensky's Hope Foundation, as well as Shannon Henry, Jordan Dinsmore, and Olivia Hastler, representing SASCO, and several domestic violence prevention initiatives. You can listen to us talk to a bunch of these guests uh, via the Patchwork Feminist, or 1801 Live, which is available on all platforms, including Apple, Google Playlist, and Spotify. Thank you so much to Garnet Media Group for making all of this possible, and enjoy listening to what was 24 hours of a lot of fun, a lot of information, and a lot of service to our fellow Gamecocks, forever to be. Go Gamecocks. computer huh no I, I use mine all right how are you doing good i just got off the phone with a recruit i hope we get her i hope so fingers crossed no better place to be there's there. no better place there's no better place to be um i'm just honored i'm starstruck uh this is like a senior year bucket list moment for me i don't know about you hannah but Look, um, bucket list. <laughs> for me um how just how have you been adjusting um i think that um, our athletes and just um, have been affected by this crisis, I think, in a different way than I think um, many of us other students and things of that nature. Um, I'm going to say it. We were robbed. Um, we were robbed of our national championship. I am not okay about it. Um, but <laughs> um, there, we just had a very successful WNBA draft, um, mm -hmm. really being trailblazers, not only in the SEC, but in NCAA, um, in the area of women's basketball and basketball, period, um, in my opinion. So how have you been adjusting? How's the team been adjusting? And what are you looking forward to for the future? Um, I mean, the adjustment has been 
um, as smooth and, and seamless as possible. Um, obviously, because you're you're forced into um, making it that way. I think we're all being impacted. Um, whether it's um, you know, fortunately for us, we I, I don't know anybody that has passed away from it. Um, but I know a whole lot of people that have been impacted by it. I think when you have a a a different outlook on life, like we, you know, I woke up, I got my health, I'm in my right mind. So you count your blessings for what you what you have in front of you. Um, and then you just try to give off some positive spirit and energy to, to other people. And we've done that with our team. We've stayed in contact with our team as far as um, um, just we're, we're Zooming. Uh, every week we have a Zoom session. I, I mean, I'm Zoomed out, but I, I continue to do it because it's part of, you know, it's part of the fabric of our lives at this point. So we Zoom with our academic coaches on Monday, we Zoom with our entire staff. That's everybody that's linked to our program on Tuesday. Followed up with a, um, a Zoom with our players and everybody in our program. And what we're doing is there are themes to our Zoom calls with our players. This particular week, we had like a, a scavenger hunt. Like we broke our team up in two Two, into two teams and then we're on the screen like we are now and we pit one player against the other that's on different teams and we say okay well the first person that comes back on the screen with some laundry detergent right you put a point for your team but you can't go until we say go so it was it was cool because it created competitiveness it, can, it, it created just being a part of a team and cheering on a, a teammate. Um, we did that for a couple of rounds. I mean, we, we also just, just try to make sure that we are always um, instilling championship behavior for as much as we can through this type of communication. But I can, I can honestly say I, I walk away from our team meetings just filled with so much joy because our players, they say all the right things and you can, you can look up sometimes and say the right thing, thing all the time, but well, some of the time, but not all of the time they are vulnerable. They, 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 they're vulnerable to the, each other and to us and that they give us exactly the things that they want to work on. And I just, I walk away and I just, I, I don't think I can walk away. I tell them, I say, I love y'all. I love y'all for who you guys are, for what you give to each other and what you give to us and what you give to yourselves. And it's not just always something good. They give like, I want to be better. Zaya Cook said, you know, I heard our coaching staff tell me, I can't hear you during practice. We can't hear you talking. She said, I'm going to make it my business to not have you all say that to me this year when we get back on the court. I mean, that's, that's truly special. Like Brie Bill, same thing. She was like, I want to communicate more. I want to, I want to, I want to be loud with it. You know, cause she's a, she's got a quiet personality, but she wants to, she wants to project herself a little bit more, you know, when it, when it comes to communicating. Um, Victoria Saxon, she just want to be more confident. 
you know, and it's, you know, young people don't, they don't give you their weaknesses because mm-hmm. they don't want to be vulnerable to those. Right. But this particular team want to get, they want to get better in areas that they, 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 that they themselves deem are shortcomings for them. So my team is helping me get through this with just being better beings, just trying to get better personally um, for the, for the, you know, for the sake of our team. How is it specifically? I know you said that you just got off the phone with um, a recruit. So how is it trying to portray that family aspect that you have built specifically within women's basketball to those recruits during a time like this? Um, I mean, I, I, I am just my authentic self, whether you like me or not. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm too old to put on anything, put on the front for anybody. Um, I just talk about who we are. I give them examples of how we operate. Um, and then I say, I say to the recruit, you have to do your due diligence. We, we, we can't bring you to campus. We don't know when campus is going to open up. I think it'd be great for you to reach out to some of our players through social media and ask them questions. And we don't, we don't tell our players say this in this moment or say that. No, give them what your experience is. And if it's good, great. If it's bad, great. It's yours. It's yours. Um, so I think, you know, we, we do get on Zoom calls with recruits and their parents just so they can get a better understanding. We can't, this is the best, you know, means that we, we look at each other, you know, face to face. You can get a feel for it. You can get a feel for who we are and what we represent by just eye to eye. I know some people can, can hide behind the phone, but you really can't hide in a Zoom call. So right. that's why, that's why I, I enjoy it. Um, I actually have a funny story. I will not... I actually enrolled at this university because of Gamecock women's basketball. I I don't play. (laughs) I don't play. Um, But I'm a sport entertainment management major. And I remember um, being from Columbia, I 100% said I was not going to attend this university um, at all. Um, I said I was getting out. But uh, it was my senior year of high school, and I was involved in a student organization. And we had um, a field trip on a Sunday. and um, to go to Colonial Life Arena and see uh, women's basketball play Duke. And I was getting dressed to go because, like, I've always loved USC women's basketball. Um, and my mom said, she said, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere to a school that you said you wasn't going to. Um, so you're not going anywhere. So she said, you can't leave. You can't leave the house until you apply to a USC. So like she didn't even, it didn't even have to be USC Columbia. She was actually really talking about upstate or something. But I always said I would never go to a small school. So this is December and you know, like deadlines are like. Yes. So like I went, I like, I did that college application in record time. Because, like, I had to get to see women's basketball play Duke. Um, and two weeks later, I got my acceptance letter. And that ended up being – but if it was not for that um, women's basketball game, I never would have applied to USC. Um, and so I wouldn't even be here. Um, and these last four years have been the best years of my life. And so I owe you and that team so much. <laughs> um, so, and I'm really thankful for just the legacy that y'all have left. And just empowering women um, – 
black women um, to be vocal um, and be active. Um, and it doesn't have, and it's not just sports. Um, it's not just sports, but everywhere on campus, just a lot, just empowering us all to be loud and proud um, of who we are and where we come from and just sharing that throughout the world. I think it's so important. I'm really thankful for your leadership. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that story. You know, I never, you know, I never knew um, the power of sports mm-hmm. um, because you're, you know, you're so in it, your, 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 your nose is to the ground and you're just trying to put a product on the floor and in the community that everybody can be proud of. And we don't know the impact that it has outside of us always. Mm-hmm. So it was always, it was a great story to hear. Um, and I know I've heard stories of maybe like, you know, people go to Duke for Duke basketball, like men's basketball, but I never heard a story where someone came to South Carolina for women's basketball. So that's, you know, that is an incredible story that I'll, I'll, I'll recycle that because <laughs> I think it, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's powerful to know that we have that kind of pull on an 18-year-old. You know, mm-hmm. people that we are trying to do the same thing and make the same commitment um, to our university. So that is, that is empowering. So I, I appreciate and inspiring. So I will, I will definitely um, share your story with, you know, when, we go in, when we're able to go get some normalcy and go into some homes and do home visits. Oh, please do. Please do. Um, I have a, I have a huge question and this has to do with your life before USC. So back when you were on the USA women's basketball team, if anyone knows me, they know my favorite show is Martin and you and your team were on Martin. So I have always, if I ever met you, I told myself, I would ask you, how was it being on Martin, probably meeting Martin Lawrence himself, um, and having to act that role. Like, was it hard? Was it funny? How was that? Well, when I was growing up, Martin was the show. Like, that was my favorite show as well. Um, and for us to be invited to come on the show, it didn't take it didn't take a second. It didn't take a second for me to say <laughs> I'm in. Um, I didn't know what it fully entailed to be on the show. So I'm going to give you a little bird's eye view into the Martin show. Yes. So we fly in maybe on a Monday and we're there all week because the show is, is, is done over like a four day period. So on Tuesday we, we go into the studio and we're just all sitting around the table and we basically just read our lines. We go over our lines and we read our lines and that was it. And then the next day, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're like taping different segments. And it's not like, it's not like they do it in a chrono- chronological order, like the show is being performed. Um, it's, it's, we're gonna do this, this part of the show, and then we're gonna do that part of the show. Um, and there was a point in the show where you know, there's a knock at the door, mm-hmm. and I and I walk in first. Yes. Well, I I wasn't supposed to be the first one. Like Cheryl Swoops wanted to be the one that walks through the door first. So I'm like, okay, well, go ahead. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm on the show. I don't care when I come in. So we did a couple of takes. So the next take, 
you know, Cheryl was Cheryl was like, you know, I want to go in first. I was like, well, go ahead. So she knocks on the door. She goes in. And then they were like, okay, cool. So as we, let's do it one more time. So as we're walking out, one of the producers says, Dawn, remember, you're the first one to come in. And I was like, well, okay. Um, and then, you know, I had to push Cheryl to the back. I think it was probably just the height thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I really tried to get in to my character. Um, but I also wanted to, I wanted, you, you grew up, I grew up on Martin. Yeah. So I only know them as Martin, Pam, Gina, you know, I only know them as, <laughs> as that. And you want to call them that, but they don't like it when you call really? them. Yes. Like Martin is easy because it's Martin. Mm-hmm. But Pam, like you, you would want to say, come on, Pam. <laughs> and they don't like it. Gina, you, they don't like it. It's Tashina and it's um, uh, Tisha. Uh, uh, Tisha. Huh? Tisha. Tisha, yeah. Tashina and Tisha. Um, so it was it was kind of just cool getting to know them. Martin actually invited us over to both of his houses. So he had two houses. Um, one was like just a regular LA house. He had a basketball court. So he invited us to play basketball on his outdoor court. So we're out there, we're playing. Well, he come, well, we're out there shooting around and then he comes out and he's got like <laughs> he's got gloves on. Like football gloves, like the sticky. So I'm like, what is he going to do with those gloves? Like, is he going to play? Now he came out there playing in the gloves. I was like, okay, that's a new one on me. I never, I never <laughs> seen anything like that, but okay. And then the next night, he actually invited us over to his house in Beverly Hills. And that was kind of a big, spacious house. But he was, he was super, super cool. So every time he comes to Columbia, I'll go to a show. And then I'll, I'll actually get to see him. The last time that I saw him was last year. I didn't go to this particular show because he, he came back a show maybe a year or two ago. And um, when I walked in the room, he was like, Dawn, MF, and Staley, right? <laughs> and then he was like, congratulations on the national championship. And he remembered. He was, you know, he said he watched. So it was, it was pretty cool to know that Martin still remembered us. Yes, that is so cool. And I know, like, I could just imagine just how the show played out, him coming out with those sticky gloves. So does he actually have a little bit of game, or was the show, it wasn't hard to portray the show? No, no, he's not He's not bad at all. Okay. He's not bad. I actually, um, he had these cool direct, he had leather directed chairs. Um, Sorry, that's my, my dog, he just came in. Hey, champ. <laughs> <laughs> he had these cool leather director's chairs. And I'm like, man, I said, can I get, can I, <laughs> and I'm a groupie, like, I said, can I, can I have, can I have one of these chairs? I mean, this would be pretty cool to remember the show. And he pretty much said, you can't have this chair, but I'll send you a chair. And I got a director's chair from Martin. He sent it to me with the Martin Lawrence show and my name on it. Wow. So I'm this. this chair is like, it's like I was on the show in 1996. So that's a that's t- over twenty years ago, twenty four years ago. Mm-hmm. Were there ever moments? This is my last question about Martin. Then we can move on. I'm sorry, <laughs> y'all. But were there ever moments where the, it was hard to like not laugh? 
during the scene or was yes. it? <laughs> yes. I mean, like the whole time because, and I don't know if my teammates felt like I felt like I was like, you know, you know how proud you are when you win a, when you win a gold medal. Like I'm super proud when I got my first gold medal. I felt that proud to be on the Martin show because we grew up watching it. Every, right. every episode we would tune in every week. And I'm like, we're on the Martin show. Like I saw all the sets, the living room, and I'm like, this is it. <laughs> but it was, it was cool. Tommy, rest his soul. Um, but they were all, they were all, they were all, they, they were all great. I mean, it was all like fun. Um, when, when the, you know, when they call cut, mm-hmm. everybody just goes into their regular Martin, Tashina, Tisha, they go into their regular roles and they call each other their names. I don't know how they don't like make mistakes <laughs> and call them their character names, but they've been around each other for so long. Wow. Hannah was waiting on this day. Her you don't understand. Like when we were talking about bucket list, I don't know where to go now. Like, I'm good. Like it happened. <laughs> when we were planning last night, she was like, I have to ask her the most important question of all time. So I just know it's about to be something. Let's talk about gender equity and the pay gap. And I just knew. I just knew she was gonna say that. She said, We gotta talk about Martin. I said Hannah. I, I, I get asked that a lot though. <laughs> A lot. Like, I got more street cred than anything because I was on Martin. Well, um, basketball is always going to be number one. But, yes, Martin is a close, close second. And that fact that you've, like, dominated in both realms, like, we can't, <laughs> all we only, the only thing we can do is stand. That's it. That's <laughs> um, I I have a question. I think um, there are not as many um, female coach head coaches. Um in the NCAA um, for women's basketball, particularly um, black female head coaches, but you have been a leader um, in speaking up, not only just about gender equity, but racial equity. Um, and when a lot of people don't do that, a lot of people are too scared to get quote unquote political as far as like talking about those issues, but um, particularly leaving, leading a team that's um, predominantly African-American and things of that nature. Why do you think it's important um, in the world of sports to always be talking about race and gender um, to continue to move forward um, in those realms? Well, here's the thing. People, people, like, when I was growing up playing basketball in my neighborhood, I I really didn't see color Mm -hmm. because I literally didn't see color because, I mean, I lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. Um, when I went off to, to UVA, to a predominantly white institution, um, it, it made me see myself like as a black woman. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why. Well, I know why. I, it's because I was around predominantly white people and that was new for me. So it made me really see my skin color and to see that I'm very different than, than probably 99% of the people that are here. Um, because I know if I didn't play basketball, I would not have been at UVA just getting it on my own accord. That's, that's one. Um, and then as I started to get into coaching, um, I still 
you know, I didn't, I, I took on what I took on in, in my childhood where I, I didn't see color. I just saw success. I just wanted to be successful. And I wanted to give young people a different experience. Um, because 18 to 22 year olds, you're, you're gaining the foundation of what your adult life is going to be like. You're, you're instilling habits that, that you can utilize to continue to be successful. Um, you're making friendships uh, and you're forging relationships with people that will be in your life forever. So I wanted to be a big part of, of, of that for young people. Um, so I took on that role of being a dream merchant. Um, and I had really great organic um, like relationships when I, with my players at Temple that I was like, I don't know why I didn't want to do this a lot sooner than what I'm doing it. Um, and it was back and forth. It was give and take. Like I gave to them, they gave to me, and it was wonderful. Um, but then I decided to leave Temple and come to South Carolina um, for two reasons. One, I, I wanted to personally bring my mother back to South Carolina because um, she was birthed here and all of her siblings still live here. Um, and then professionally, I wanted to win a national championship and I wanted to compete against the best coaches in the country in, in the SEC. So I got a chance to do get the best of both worlds. Um, and then again, I really didn't see color because I'm, I'm just trying to, trying to be successful, put a product on the floor that people can be proud of. Um, but then you see that you're, you're being treated differently than the regular people who were, who were in my position. So take, for instance, like we were the number one team in the country for nine weeks, more than anybody in the country, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the number one team in the country for, for all the times that we weren't and other people were, they're being talked about at every game that's, that's on national television. Um, or, or somebody, a player on that team is being talked about. And quite honestly, we got none of that throughout almost our entire year being at the number one, um, having the number one ranking in the country. And, and I felt some type of way. Ty Harris, Kiki um, Herbert Harrigan, you know, they had these mock WNBA drafts all season long. And nobody had them in the first, second, or third round. They, they didn't have them getting drafted. So I'm feeling this, and I'm like, you know, and, and I try to stay in my lane. I really do try to stay in my lane until I till my cup runneth over. <laughs> um, so when I'm seeing all of this, and, and then I just started to lash out, like, you know, no one has Ty, Ty Harris, really, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, first round of a – WNBA draft, no one has Kiki, Herbert Harrigan. I mean, are you kidding me? So um, so I, you know, I stirred the pot a little bit with that. And then it really hit me at the end of the season when COVID-19 COVID took over and they just canceled everything. So it made me really reflect. I mean, you really have time to really think about what took place. So I 
and I and I and I see on ESPN and I see on you know on social media like this narrative that they had all season long. It was um, Sabrina Nescu, who is by far a generational player, great player, no doubt about it. There's no question that you know what she's been able to do on a collegiate level needs to be talked about and needs to be talked about a lot. Okay. Um, and they did it, you know, they did it. She was the narrative coming into the season. Um, but when they lost and when they lost again, that narrative never stopped. You know, when we became the number one team in the country, we got a little blurb here. Oh, the number one team in the country. When, when Oregon was number one, who had Sabrina, that's all we heard about. Um, UConn had a little stint at being number one in the country. Oh, the world is back, you know, round, and everybody, you know, everybody's in their proper place. Um, then they lost, and then we become the number one team in the country, and it just seems like we weren't ever talked about in the same vein as everybody else. So I just felt like at the end of it, I had to speak out on our kids. I had to speak out for our kids because I had – you know, my players texting me, why, you know, why are we being disrespected? Because even after the season, after everything was canceled, they were still talking about the same narrative. So tweet by tweet, I'm just like, um, yeah, okay, that's the same narrative that you had all season long. The bottom has fallen out because we, we aren't playing basketball. Who is the number one team in the country? It's us. So I'm tired of you guys underreporting us. I'm tired of you guys um, just disrespecting us all season long. And I, you know, I lashed out at anybody that would listen. And tweet by tweet, I just need to stand up. And I and I had some conversations with the decision makers of writing a narrative and keeping a narrative um, that. You know, I talked to some ESPN. Uh, people about about this and they didn't like it but I again my cup runneth over and it's spewed out on her um like I mean I talked for 20 minutes straight and I'm not really known as a talker but I just felt like I gave her example after example after example and I, and I said I don't know what it is but you guys make me look at my the color of my skin and that shouldn't be in our game. You make me look. You make me look at being a black coach in this profession, and you give less than when we've been, you know, the talk of this. We've been the talk. We start three freshmen. We got a, you know, we got an All American point guard. We got a, you know, we got a first round um, forward. But you don't. You didn't give us our just due. Why? I wanted to know why, and there were no answers as to why. I said, well, we're having a bad season. Guess what happens to us as coaches? We pivot, and we change stuff around. I said, you guys never pivoted when the narrative changed. You could come back to it, but give credit where credit is due. And I said, not just for South Carolina. There were so many other stories that we missed all season long that – it's an injustice to our game, an injustice to growing our game. So, you know, I'm hoping that 
I'm hoping that they're able to to report what's good about our game. If that's South Carolina, report it. If it's not, then report who who deserves to be in the spotlight. But surely, somebody else other than Oregon and Sabrina deserved a little bit of the spotlight throughout the season. So I feel like, you know, I feel like it is my duty. It is my duty to protect the sanctity of our of our game, and it's it is my duty to make people aware of, you know, what what decisions they're making, what it does to people in the game who are black coaches, who are successful, um, and who deserve to be to be talked about when when we've earned it. So I mean. I know I have, you know, other black coaches in this game that really feel like they can't speak up because they don't have they don't have power. And whether we're winning or not, I just think what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong and we need to bring attention to things that aren't right in our game. And if it's and I t- I challenge all the coaches that if you feel like, you know, everything that went on this year is right, great. If you don't, then speak up because that's the only way it's going to change is if we speak up. And I did challenge the ESPN people um, to get some diversity in a room when there's decision makers because there's a whole lot of people um, who are minorities that are doing some terrific things that you may not you may not notice because of what you're used to seeing. Like you're only used to seeing white people be successful. Well, that's all you got. If you're not used to seeing a black person be successful, then then you don't you don't know how to react to that. So I just, I mean, I just feel like, and I don't want it to be a race thing. I I really don't want it to be a race thing, because when I picked up a basketball, I didn't say I'm this black girl that's picking up this basketball and hope I'm successful. I picked up a basketball. Um, because I had a, des- a competitive drive and desire um, to want to be the best, and that's that's uh, that's nameless, that's faceless. That is just you know what basketball has meant to me, and I and 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 the fact that I utilized that round leather ball to change uh, my life, my family's life, and and, and generations to come. Um, I want that for everybody. I want everybody to get the the opportunity um, to impact our game. And if we're not being reported in that way, you won't know the great things that are happening out there in our game. Um, piggybacking off of you talking about um, the season, and I agree with absolutely everything you said, um, there is a certain group of people that did not ignore um, the great season that the women's basketball team had, and that's the beloved fans um, who are known for lethal, lethal clapbacks on Twitter, just gathering and dragging anybody that comes against you, um, comes against our players, comes against teams. So um, just talk a little bit about the fans and what they mean to you. I, I mean, I love our fans. I, I absolutely love them. Not not because of their diehard spirit for us, but because of their knowledge. Like, they come with facts. 
like in stats, you know, not just talking off, off the mouth because, you know, their heart is into loving our team. They back it up with stats. Um, and they will tell, they will tell people. Certain people are untouchable to them. Period. Um, they can't, people can't talk about me. They can talk about our players, but they can't at them. The moment you at Aaliyah Boston and say something that, you know, is an untruth, you know, they go in. They go in. And, and sometimes I cringe and I'm like, woo. Woo. <laughs> Woo. I'm glad they're on our side and not, you know, the other way around. Um, but they're loyal. They've they've seen uh, the very worst in our program to the very best and everything in between. And they followed it and they stayed with us. And they know, I mean, they sometimes are, some of them are DMing me stuff you know, that they hearing about our team that I don't even know about. Um, but they are, they are stewards of our team. They are, you know, they only want the best for us. And if they feel like something's out of order, you know, they're here to, to stand in and, and correct it. And I, and I, you know, and they're passionate. They will, they will, they will attack another fan base um, in a matter of seconds. And they will attack the national media um, because they know. They know how many stories that haven't been written about the number one team in the country. And they know how many stories have been written about the narrative that they chose to keep all season long. So um, I, I love them because they're loyal. I love them because they just, you know, they, they love us and they're informed. Um, and I just got a question for some fans. How is Champ doing? People want to know how is Champ doing? Uh, Come here. People want to see. Um, Champ is doing. Let me get grab it for a second. <laughs> Let me turn my light on before it gets. Just... Hi, Champ. Champ is Champ is here. He's been out of the spotlight somewhat. Since uh, the season was canceled, so he gets a little camera shot. Yeah, we love you, Champ. I don't, I don't know my life without Champ. I don't remember my life without Champ. Champ is a celebrity. Um, I follow Champ's account. Um, <laughs> I'm a Champ stan. I've been a Champ stan for um, years now, uh, and I'm proud. Like people keep texting me. And like I thought, like they had questions for you, but it's like, where is the dog? People keep saying, where is the dog? I'm like, woof, y'all, calm down. Um, but Hannah, do you have any more questions? Um, I know that Coach Daly has a very busy day. Mayor Benjamin actually told us that you have a party to get to um, later today. Oh yeah, that's tonight. Tonight they they got me. They they got me on late night. I think I'm on like a. Uh, 945. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yeah. He, he informed us. He was like, he doesn't have too many dance moves. He has a strong two step. So you can <laughs> teach him a little thing. <laughs> but thank you so, so, so much for coming on. We know that your schedule is very busy, that you're going through a lot right now. So this means everything to us. Um, we've been asking all of our guests that come on to, I think Lyric has, the, do you have the link in the yeah. chat? 
-hmm. In the chat is the donation link for COVID-19 emergency relief fund. So some have been giving up from students to a dollar to um, one guest gave up to $250. So if you're willing to give anything, that would be great. Or even just a small tweet, you are I know that you've been dealing with a lot, but specifically from a student, two students right here, there are multiple listening to you right now. We really do appreciate any and everything that you do. So we listen to everything you say. So any and everything counts. But that's really all I have to say. And I'm right about I'm a fan. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, send, send, send me the link. Let me get it out. I'll get it on my, um, my social media. I'll uh, definitely donate as well. Because I, I, I do think, you know, people are impacted um, by the students, especially, that we're not hearing about. So let's bring awareness to it so we can, you know, so we can raise a lot of money and to make sure that people have what they need during and after um, COVID-19 is hopefully is over with soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Coach Daly. Thank you to Angela. Um, Thank for you, Angela. Being That's able Angela. to coordinate this for us. Um, I'm just so excited. Um, Brendan, who's actually our podcast coordinator, he's he's muted. Um, you come off mute and say, hey. But Brendan, I, t I remember telling him last semester, I said, this is, that, this is like the ultimate guest that I want. On it happened. Show. It finally happened. What's <laughs> up, Brendan? That was great. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so thankful. Um, that you are willing to help out with us. No problem at all. Anytime you need anything, call on Angela. She, she'll get to me and make sure it happens. <laughs> Thank you so much, Coach Daly. All um, right. Night. 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 Right. Um, our next guest is already ready. Oh. So let's we need to give the link out. It's in the chat. I, and I texted it to Angela too. So she Okay, cool. Which one which one is work? Okay. Hello. Hello. How are, are you? you? I'm good. I'm so excited. Okay, I was just listening to my good friend Don Staley drop so many gems. I just watched that whole interview and I'm like, she's just dropping gym at the gym at the gym at the gym. I'm like, okay, first of all, I have to follow Don Staley. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a Don Staley. <laughs> um, for anybody who does not know who this woman is, um, this was actually our first African American female student body president. Um, the one, the only, Jataka Edie. Um, I'm so excited um, that you came on. Um, Today, um, she's been known as the Olivia Pope of Silicon Valley, um, well, you know. advisor to the um, NAACP, um, as well as a, a giant in the tech world, um, uh, formerly of LendUp, now working at um, Full Circle Strategies. Yes. Um, and I'll let her introduce herself, because I, I know like she can do way better than that, but I'm a fan, huge fan. Well, first of all, I want to say I am so excited to be on this podcast. I am so humbled to be in the presence of all of you wonderful Gamecocks. So, uh, Lyric, I've been a fan of yours. I've followed your work. Uh, I've met you before. I, I mean, I, I just love everything that you're doing. Hannah, I've read about you. I, I'm excited to meet you. Uh, Brendan, I haven't met you yet, but I'm just super excited 
Um, you know, one uh, a story, I, one thing I will share quite before, we could get into the story, but I hope she's watching because I, I challenged her in a tweet uh, to get people to donate, and I just tweeted this out, but Sarah uh, Fordman, who was the editor of the Daily Game Cop, actually was my campaign manager when I ran for student body president. <laughs> what? Now that yeah. is, that is new. Now that's, that's a concept. That's great. Yeah, she was the former editor. She wasn't the editor at the time when she oh, ran for president, for president. But still, even then, that is amazing. Yeah, so she was my campaign manager. She ran like a real campaign when I ran for student body president. Like, I had a campaign team of like 60 people. Everybody had a title. They had like roles and responsibility. Okay. And Sarah actually has gone on to run national campaign uh, campaigns. Uh, she's now doing major campaign work with Emily's List, and she's ran campaigns for district attorney. I, I like to think that I was uh, her first test case, uh, but she's gone on to do amazing things. But I, I just want to say I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, Lyric, when you introduced me, you forgot the most important thing. I'm a proud Gamecock. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I am from Johnsonville, South Carolina. So I think some of my family and friends are watching. Um, that are from Johnsonville. Um, I'm just super excited to be here. Number one, this effort is super important. I, I just think it's amazing what you're doing, and I'm just proud to be a part of it, and just proud to to just to just join you. Um, and honored just to follow Don Staley. <laughs> amazing. I am. I'm still in shock. Every single guest we've had so so far has Very been incredible. Like every single person that we've talked to. Um, the conversation has not stopped flowing, but um, um, I, what are you doing now? Because um, I remember last time we talked on the phone, you were you were still um, working with Linda. So what mm -hmm. do you what are you working on now? Yeah, so I still, uh, you know, my story has been a unique one. I spent most of my life and career in politics, uh, working on whether criminal justice reform or the work around abolishing juvenile death penalty, or just the the work around you know centered around civil and human rights. Um, and, and, and about seven years ago, I transitioned. It's a very public story about my reluctancy, some of the hesitations that I had about going into tech in the Silicon Valley. Um, but I made the leap into tech, and I'm still in tech. I advise a number of tech companies, and Full Circle Strategies is actually my company. Um, mm -hmm. The founder and CEO of Full Circle Strategies, which is a company that works with and advise a, a number of businesses and, and companies. Um, particularly in the tech sphere. So I've uh, served uh, to advise a number of tech companies and, and work to really bridge um, the, really just bridge Silicon Valley and Washington, but Washington, not just Washington, D.C., but Washington in terms of the people, Washington in terms of cities and states, elected leaders, because I think it's vitally important, as particularly as a woman of color who served as an executive in the C-suites, of, of Silicon Valley tech companies as a board advisor to these companies that it's, it's incredibly important for our voices to be at the table. Number one, it's incredibly important for us uh, to be a part of the decision making. It's incredibly important for us um, to, to weigh in on, on important decisions that impact not only the products that are being developed, how they're being marketed, um, and also it's important for us to have our rightful place at the table because uh, the future of our country is in, in the realm of technology. Um, and that's a, a great opportunity, whether you're trying to uh, build technology or whether or not you're trying to be in the industry, because there's a lot of opportunity in that industry. Um, 
to, to do well and to do good. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of economic advantages. And I think it's important for uh, young people across the country to start thinking about tech and technology as an option. Hannah, are you seeing something? No, I was, I was waiting. I saw you get, getting ready to say something, but I had a question. But yeah. I, okay, perfect. Especially you being um, the first African-American woman to be student body president, um, just recently got elected as student body vice president. And actually, I just got off of, so I did an episode with Brendan and Yvonne Miller for 1801 Live by, um, just the pot that podcast and then 30 minutes later got on to this podcast that's on and so just talking to her and then talking to you i asked her the same question but what was it like being the first i know now you're very um, adamant about social justice that's all included in your work but how was it being the first i and i know i lyric is a very close friend of mine i saw her run as well as i came into the university with taylor riot an african-american male as the student body president and i always say that really set the standard for me saying, hmm, I maybe could do this. Just having the thought, of course, you can ask any of my friends, I never thought that I would be here right now. I told everyone like, no, I'm not gonna, no, that's not me. But that really did set the standard for me. So you not having any standard to go by, it's just stepping out on your own. How was that like? You know, thank you for that question, Hannah. Um, you know, it really was an interesting experience. Um, I fouled. I w almost wasn't going to file to be student body president. I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. My grandfather died and unexpectedly. Um, and I, during that time, it was just really grieving my grandfather. I had went home for his funeral services and I came back and I mulled whether or not I was going to actually uh, file. I actually filed the very last day that I could have possibly filed. And I always wanted to be uh, in greater leadership in student government. I, I came in, I was in uh, student government, I was in freshman council at USC. I was very active in AAAS, the Association of African American Students. I was second vice president of that. And then I was a student senator. And I think really what propelled me um, was seeing just really the power of student activism and, and just really being a voice. And also there was not necessarily a standard as it related to another black woman that had been student body president before. I knew when I was running, it was, it was the first. Um, but there was a precedent in the Steve Benjamins and the Jamel Franklins and, and, and all of the Malik Husser, um, all of the student body presidents that were African-American while I was actually in school. So I had like, I came in my freshman year and the student body president was an African-American, uh, Jamel Franklin. Um, and then, uh, you know, also Malik Husser was student body president. And of course, Mayor Steve Benjamin, um, who's my good friend. Uh, we always joke, uh, I, he's my constant advisor. I like to think I try to advise him sometimes too now. <laughs> but my good friend, Steve Benjamin, there was always just this, this, this level of, of, just reverence for like the leadership that they they put forth at the university, which gave me something to look towards in terms of the type of student leader that I wanted to be. There were also these amazing women that were not necessarily student body president, but were in leadership positions all across the university. So I was able to see, you know, a women that were Felicia Richburg, who was the president of 
of, 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 of AAAS and women that were younger than me, like Aisha Taylor, um, who went on to become president of AAAS, but to see all of these black women in leadership across campus, uh, in addition to having amazing professors who really taught the fundamentals of leadership. You know, people like Dr. Cleveland Sellers, um, even Dr. Don Fowler. Um, and, and, and also there were women who were not necessarily black women, but women like my campaign manager, Sarah Foreman. Um, her husband's gonna kill me because I'm not getting her right, her last name right. Uh, no, 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 yes, yes. Her new last name is Sarah Foreman. Uh, but uh, she, was, she was like, you should be student body president. You're gonna be student body president one day. Um, and so when I ran though, it wasn't very easy. I, I ran against, um, I was the only uh, black woman running against three opponents. And uh, when I ran, um, fortunately, you could go back and look at the Daily Gamecock. There were articles that challenged me because of my very vocal opinion, calling for the flag, the Confederate flag to be removed from the state house. Um, I, when I was a student senator, I had, offered, I had authored legislation in student government uh, that called for the flag to be removed. And that was used against me. I was so shocked. I never forget sort of being in a debate. And those were two things that were used against me, that and my national work against the uh, death penalty. Um, and I was challenged on that um, when I was running for office. But, you know, I really focused my campaign at the time on just having what I felt like was the best plan for the students. I mean, I never forget, it was the contract for Carolina. I really ripped it from Newt Gingrich. Uh, uh, <laughs> he had a contract, contract for America at the time. And so we had a contract for Carolina. And we just focused on like, how can we have a, a permanent student section in the mm -hmm. Coliseum, which now exists? Um, how do we, you know, add a night shuttle? Uh, how do we extend the drop ad date? That was like a really big issue at the time. Um, and then how do we add service learning? And those are like the four components of, of the campaign. But during the time, um, it was an incredible, it turned into a movement because there were 60 people and my campaign wasn't about me, but it was about, it was about this contract for Carolina it was about these incredibly smart, uh, capable, enthusiastic, amazing students that were my partners in this. And so I viewed myself as running um, for the people um, and for this entire collective and not just for myself. Um, and when I won, um, I, I didn't win the first election, the first vote. Um, I lost by, I think it was like 80, 80 votes. Uh, uh, I had to go into a runoff. And I was nervous. I was like, if I go into runoff, I'm going to lose. And, and, and I went into runoff with this amazing woman, Katie, um, uh, Katie Taylor. Um, she's, she's amazing. We, we keep in touch. Um, and when I won, uh, I, I remember falling to the ground because I realized that, you know, I had, you know, you never think that you're going to break a color barrier or you don't really, so you're not really thinking about what you're, what you're, what you're stepping into when it happens in that moment. And, you know, when it happened, it just, it was as if my body turned into jelly because Sarah looked at me and she said, you just made history. You just made history in 200 years of this university being in existence. There has never been a black woman ever elected in this position and you just did it. And at that moment I had a resolve. I felt very proud, um, but I also felt like, okay, I'm the first. All right, I don't want to be the only. Like, how do I do, and what do I do to, to, to really pave the path so that others can follow behind me um, and take their rightful place and their voice in the university? So it, it, it's been an incredible, um, when I think back on it, it's been incredible um, in the moment when it happened. 
Um, and there were times where it felt very, very lonely. Um, you, you know, you felt challenged because of issues that you stood for because very much you, these were issues I stood for because, you know, largely as a person of conscience, but also as a black woman, these were things that, that I felt very strongly about because of my own understanding of a race, uh, a, a narrative of looking, th looking at things as a black woman, both my opposition to the death penalty and my opposition to the Confederate flag. Um, being on top of the state house and being challenged on those on those issues um, at the time, I, I, it, it felt like an attack, um, but it only made me stronger um, and and my resolve stayed strong. So I I I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for that opportunity, um, and I'm more proud that there are other Black women that are following suit um, and running for office and winning um, uh, in student government offices. Um, what I will say personally is that. I was really, that's why I'm always thankful for that entire experience of like being able to run like, and not even like the actual elections itself, but everything that led up to it. Um, learning about like the history um, of black leaders um, at the University of South Carolina. I remember there were times that me and Taylor used to sit in the office and research because like there's, it's so crazy. We, and there was at one point we thought there was only like five black student body presidents. And then we did the research and going through those old daily Gamecocks, found out it was like 14. Yep. Um, and like, it was so much just learning that lineage of leaders and like learning about former AAAS presidents and who did, I mean, do these different things. I think it was so powerful. Like I remember, shout out to Black Alumni Council. Um, yeah. I was able to meet you for the first time at the Richard T. Greener breakfast during my junior year. Yes, um, I I remember that during that same that same day, I met Hannah's mom for the first time, and we had just got matched as mentee mentor like a week before that. Um, and just being able to learn the lineage, lineage um, we met Patrick Wright, who was a former uh, student body president. Um, and he told us stories, and we were like, "What?" <laughs> like these all these different things. Um, and Hannah and I ended up going to New York uh, last May. We met and we got to have dinner with Lindsay Richardson, who was the yes. second, who was the second um, African female student body president, and up until this year was the last um, female student body president we had until Hannah's running mate Izzy Russian was elected as our first international student body president. Um, and I think like just learning that lineage of all these people, um, not just student body. We met Tony Preston last year, um, who's amazing, and I think all of those things kind of. Uh, really honestly helped me going into the protest just learning there's such a strong lineage of black leaders on this yes. and people who even when it was uncomfortable even when it's hard but using your platform not just having a title and being okay with that using it even when it's uncomfortable even though like people might throw some things back at you for your activist background or for standing up at issues um some people are not going to like it um but still using your voice because it's the right thing to do. And I've learned I, in the past year and a half, um, I learned so much from people like you and um, Mayor Benjamin and um, Tommy Preston and Lindsey Richardson, Taylor and all. Uh, Taylor, it's a strong <laughs> lineage. It's like you, you like to say like, yes, you're one of you, if that makes sense. But the lineage is so strong. And then if you vast, like I was talking earlier with Yvonne about NAACP, like that we don't even have a chapter right now currently. So I know another student, shout out Raylan, he's trying to get the chapter started back up, but then talking about how that was a huge deal. I know you're involved a lot in NAACP and how that 
cultivated your experience at USC. So even having that, but I have to say, I have to, okay. So I just got word that those, so there's a AAAS cookout and they, it was happening via Zoom right now. And as an activist, um, right, great thing, but apparently it got hacked and there were a bunch of people in blackface saying um, racial slurs, the N-word, screaming it as we speak right now. This, this, this is, is happening right now? It, it, right it's, now. It, it's happening right now. And I'm getting a bunch of texts from students. And honest, and there's a lot to be said about this. Uh, of course, I know. But as a social justice activist um, right now, you are in even like my position. Like, how, how do you go about that? I don't know. What would you, how would you deal with this? Um, well, I, I think the first thing is you always want to, you know, I, I was saying uh, one of my good friends, uh, Siobhan Arline Bradley, uh, always says, you know, trust and verify. Uh, I think you always want to first want to gather more information. I think in these cases, though, it's important to empower the students to, to one, make sure that, that you, you're able to, I, I think, sort of from an activist, right? Here, here's the organizer activist coming out, right? <laughs> it's important to, for people to see. Sometimes people can hear about things and, and it doesn't really register for people to see. Um, these, these images, I, I think the, the age of social media, I think the age of, of, of just these platforms that allow for the visualization of, of the hatred that does exist is, is super important. I think it sheds a light. Um, I, I think it's important that in this moment that this is absolutely addressed, um, not only by uh, the young people being able to, or who, whomever, you know, particularly AAAS, um, being able to sort of speak out and to shed light on this, but that I would, you know, fully expect for the university in its official capacity to speak out. Um, AAAS is under the student affairs, uh, you know, so the Office of Student Affairs and, and it's AAAS is, is still probably receives funding for student government. So all of these organizations that have some responsibility to AAAS should definitely speak out on behalf of, um, because this, this language and, and, and what's happening based on just what I'm hearing, not seeing yeah. it, but, but visualizing, I trust probably these you know, there are probably screenshots of all of this. It violates against the thing that all of us uh, care very much about at the University of South Carolina, that's the Carolina Creed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this violates against the tenets of the Carolina Creed. So whomever, uh, if these are students of the universities, uh, of the universities that are hacking in, um, I, I think they should be addressed um, as appropriate by the, by the rules um, of the university. Um, you know, violating the Carolina Creed is, is something that, that violates against sort of the student code of ethics, but also the university itself. Um, and I, I would hope that the university would fully investigate and address this in a way. And, and then we move in a manner that to put, put protections in place to ensure that this doesn't happen to our students or nor our student organizations ever again. Yeah. Speaking not just on this, um, this um, particular situation, but just like in general, I think that is just so hard sometimes because I, I, I think about like my own personal leadership journey, especially after um, I think I did TEDx and running for student body president. A lot of times you're trying to pre present this all around image, um, particularly being a black woman. And you know, like there are certain things because if you're too loud, it's considered as aggressive. Like you can't be too this, but you can't be too that. And you can't, you're always trying to find like that middle ground. Um, but eventually like there's that time where you realize that 
there is no middle ground. Um, it's simply right and wrong. And like a lot of times it's really kind of hard to figure out like, um, you can't always make everybody happy, but you always have to do um, what's right. And then just, you you just can't, it's, it's not worth it to be a leader um, just to say that you did it, um, just to say that you did it. Um, it takes having those hard conversations. It takes having, um, sometimes you just have to be okay with the fact that everybody will not be um, happy with your decision, but um, being able to have a peace of mind at night and uh, being able to have um, a, con a clear conscience. I mean, I Hannah can attest to this. Um, leading up to the protest, um, both of them, both in April and July, I was a mess. Um, I was very scared of breaking out of like, I guess my cookie cutter image with the university of like um, strong leader, but like just not getting too out of the way, not doing anything too aggressive or too much or too this, but then I, I couldn't sleep like eventually until I realized some things are worth fighting for. Um, some things are, I, I literally couldn't sleep. Um, I was barely eating just because like my gut um, was telling me that um, if something isn't right, I can't rest. Um, and I think that um, a lot of times it's, as black women, it's the burden that we bear. Um, sometimes it's just like, we feel like we have the weight of the world on our shoulders. Um, I know specifically for Hannah being the only African-American um, executive, um, but the rest of the executive members um, this year are absolutely fabulous. Um, yeah. um, but it's always gonna be a certain weight that we bear um, that I think a lot of times people don't always understand or give us credit for um, of some of the decisions that we have to make internally. Um, I know that uh, me and Hannah, uh, both during my campaign and hers, one of the major decisions was made was, how do you wear your hair on the banner? Hmm. Uh, I was afraid. Um, one, yes, 100% huh? I'm agreeing with you, yes. I was afraid um, because I remember my mom said, straighten your hair. And I almost did, and I, I just because, you know, that banner is eight foot by four foot and it's huge, it's on Green Street. And I was so afraid just of, the, of like, is the Afro a little too aggressive or things of that nature? Um, but eventually I, I decided to do it. But like, I remember I live in Woodrow. Do you remember Woodrow what, Residence Hall? I lived in Woodrow right across the street. Yes, uh, I was like, <laughs> I was in Woody 110. Um, I was actually RM at the time, and so you know, on that wall in Woodrow is this um, where we hang the banners. Mm -hmm. So I remember I would wake up in the middle of the night panting because I would have like nightmares that somebody would like spray paint um, my mm -hmm. banner with like you know racial slurs that thing. And luckily, it never happened. But those are the type of things that you know you have to consider that um, a lot of other candidates sometimes don't. And I remember when Hannah decided to run. We fought for weeks on whether or not she should straighten her hair. Uh, I was yeah. like, I can't. Oh, I was like, and we had that. And I mean, I'm thankful to have like people like Lyric and then like coming in with Taylor. But like, I was set. I was like, no, I'm going to straighten my hair for two weeks. Um, because I feel like, I mean, I'm just saying what it was on my mind. I'm like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the Greek village. I'm going to go. Like, what would they want to see? I, I don't want to intimidate. And I know naturally I feel like naturally sometimes, I don't know how hair can do that, but something about hair I feel like could detriment, like we, we're in South Carolina, conservative flagship institution, some might say. And so I really went back and forth and then Lyric would have like a long two hour conversation with me. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna wear my hair natural. I would literally like FaceTime her five minutes before the photo shoots for 
all of the pliers. I'm like, Lyric, I'm about to straighten my hair. I can't do it. And then I'm, and then she's like, no, natural. So going back and forth, but then finally saying like, if I portray someone that I know that I'm not, like I don't straighten my hair on a typical basis, then it's kind of like you're living uh, in a mask where you're going to have to keep that mask on all throughout your term. Do you want to know that you got elected off of someone that you're not really truly are? And is that even valuable to you at that point? So thinking think that you, you're raising valid points that, that, that particularly black women are faced with these questions. Um, you know, you're, you're faced with it. it. It's breaking my heart to hear you have to talk about grappling with this, you know, at, even at, at your age, right? And, 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 you know, I know that this is very real, particularly in corporate America and, you know, black women. And I, I think if you look right now, uh, they're uh, friends of mine that are doing some amazing work on the Crown Act. Um, I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with the Crown Act, if anybody's out there. Um, there's an amazing sister out there. Um, her name is Ajwa, and she's been leading the legislative work on, on the Crown Act. Um, that's really taking back and redefining hair because hair has been so politicized um, in terms of what we can do with our hair and without our hair or, or how we can wear our hair as black women. And, and this legislation and this movement has really been put in place for us to just be authentically who we are and be able to go into the workplace or, or any, any establishment and not be discriminated against because of our hair. Um, and that's just more legally, right, not to be discriminated against. But I think there's also this next layer of how do we just feel free. Um, and I, I'm just so proud and it moves me that the decision that was made uh, for you to just want to be in your natural hair. And I would also say that if you wear your hair straight, you wear your hair straight. If you wear your hair natural, wear your hair natural. Um, <laughs> but where I would advise anyone is if, it's, if you don't feel comfortable or if that's not how you want to portray yourself, if you want to be natural, then we, we have the right um, and we should have the freedom as black women to show up exactly as we are, to show up as who we are in this country um, with our hair in Afro, with our hair um, in hanging all the way down to our ankles, however we want to be, because our hair doesn't define us um, necessarily. It doesn't define us. It is very much a part of who we are, um, but the hair doesn't dictate the person that is on the inside. Um, and I, I think that as, as we think about how we show up, um, you know, in the world, how do we show up and particularly going to an institution like the University of South Carolina, it's, it's a largely white institution. Um, you know, those are, those are things that I think that young women grapple with. And I think the most important thing, you can only imagine what it probably meant for a young black woman on that campus to walk past this large banner on Green Street and to see a black woman with the Afro. How empowering that probably was for that, for that woman. Um, and so sometimes we can do things and we can do subtle acts that can be so powerful, that can mean so much. I, I get excited every time. I just, you know, I was watching Don Staley before she got on. I get so excited every time I see Aaliyah Boston on stage with her braids, with her purple. Yes. Uh, I think she had like a garnet tint one time. I think it was like a little purplish garnish, garnet uh, color. But I get so excited every time I see her just as a young freshman. Um, I remember meeting her um, before she even came on to, uh, uh, you know, came on the USC and, and I, I had an opportunity to meet her. Um, but every time I see her as a, as a young freshman, 
um, doing dynamic, uh, you know, things on the court and off the court. Um, and to just be there with her braids, with a color and her hair, like, this is who I am. And I'm standing here. And it just gives me pride. And so to see you with your natural hair and your afro, I wear my hair in lock extensions. Um, and uh, for a long time, I used to wear uh, my hair differently. Um, but I love more natural looking styles. And, and, um, and I made a conscious decision myself um, that my hair wasn't going to define who I am. I'm never going to do my hair particularly for someone else. Um, I'm only going to do my hair in a certain style for because I like it or because it's a style that I enjoy um, and not for someone else's satisfaction or someone else's approval. I remember one of the coolest things, and I think like the, it's like small moments, I think like make it all worth it. Like even like my experience where um, like I didn't come out the winter. I remember I was walking on Green Street one time. And um, I was heading back to my room. I was walking from Russell House to Woodrow, which if you know that walk is very short, um, extremely short. It's literally crossing the street. That's why I lived in Woodrow when I was sitting yeah, my oh, I could get back and forth to the Russell House and I could get all the action on the, at the Tree of Knowledge. So worth so it. I look it out my window. So worth it. Um, <laughs> and I remember there was a family, there was a black family who was touring the university um, and they were doing a self-guided tour at right that moment. And I think this is what I told Hannah to sell her on, like, not straightening her hair. But I remember they were looking at the banners. And I was just heading to class. They didn't know who I was. So, like, they didn't know, they didn't connect it that the person, like, who was walking straight past them and the person on the banner were the same person. I, like, they didn't connect it. They are like, oh, my God, that's a black girl with an afro running for student body president here. And then somebody was like, you, and, like, the parents were like, you got to go here. Like, you, you got to go here now. Because, like, that's those are the type of things that are happening on this campus which means that this is an inclusive place for you like there's yeah. a place for you and like i just started crying and like they didn't see me <laughs> they didn't see me but i just kept walking to my room <laughs> and i was like and i just started crying because i mean like it's just small moments um representation like matters representation absolutely matters i say this all the time both in you know student government, universities, in corporate America, uh, in business, in politics, representation matters. It's important that uh, people uh, that are particularly women and people of color and black women um, that, you know, that we're seeing. Um, you know, I, I often talk about this, that when I was thinking about going into tech in Silicon Valley, I didn't see a representation of myself. I didn't see myself, therefore I didn't think that a version of myself existed in Silicon Valley. When I went into tech, I saw all of these brilliant, amazing black women. Um, and now you see more stories about black women in tech, um, you know, thanks to publications, you know, like Essence and Black Enterprise, um, which started a lot uh, to talk about black women in tech. Um, but you didn't really see, you know, uh, you know, an Arlen Hamilton on the cover of, of, of Fortune magazine mm -hmm. um, before, or you didn't see some of the, the visualizations. And so when you don't, you, you can't really be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's important to have a vi the visualization. That's why it's important for, you know, I'm just so incredibly like proud. You talk about this lineage. Like, I feel like I'm your, I don't know. I guess I'd be kind of like you. I don't know. I would not say I'm not old enough to be a grandmama, but 
I don't know. I like your auntie. Uh, but in the Lindsay, it's uh, like, uh, like your auntie. But I, I think it's important for there to be, you know, a representation of, of women like yourself, Lyric, and, and you, Hannah. You know, like, to my delight, can you imagine, you know, I open up, you know, we're in the Instagram, uh, Facebook world. My delight, I open up Instagram and Facebook and I look at, you know, I think it was uh, Wash the Yard. And there's like Hannah's, you know, picture, uh, University of South Carolina. Like, I was so proud. My friend Myron Terry, if anybody's watching, Myron Terry is like the, uh, he's the Gordon Parks of, of, of the alumni of University of South Carolina. He he is a, a great alumni. He was on the governor's cabinet, advisor to the Zeta Epsilon chapter, Kappa Epsi Psi. Um, just an extremely active alumni, very much so part of the Black Alumni Council. But I call him the Gordon Parks of, uh, of, of, of our alumni because he, he really takes a lot of photos and he like, he, 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 he's the keeper of all of the news and information. Uh, and when I saw that, I was just so incredibly honored and, and proud. But I thought in that moment that here will someone, some little black girl someplace is going to see this and they're going to say, hey, I can do that. Hey, that's a place for me. Hey, you know, she looks like me. Hey, you know, that could be me um, and can be inspired to run for student government, whether they're at the University of South Carolina or or, or there's someplace else. And so I think that it's incredibly important for us to step into our rightful place um, and to, 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 to be represented. Um, that's incredibly important. I think we're seeing more and more of that. Um, I mean, look at what's happening in the political landscape. Um, look at, you know, folks like my dear friend and sister, I, uh, Representative Ayanna Presley. Oh. Um, love her. I love Ayanna Presley. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, and a little known secret. It's not a secret because it was on social media, but she spent some time with the Lady Gamecocks um, and uh, Coach Don Staley. There's some great pictures. If, if you go on to uh, Twitter, you can find, uh, or Instagram, you can find some of the photos. Uh, but women like that, that are, you know, showing the power and the brilliance of black women in, in politics and, and, and folks that have been long in the game, like, you know, uh, you know Congresswoman Maxine Waters and others, like, um, you know, some of the greats in politics, uh, you know, like Mignon Moore, Donna Brazil, Yolanda Carraway, uh, Leah Daughtry, um, those in corporate American and business like Tanya Leah Lombard. Um, so there are just a lot of amazing, brilliant black women. And I think the more and more we see these women, the more and more we can be inspired to be uh, like these women and the walk in their uh, in the path that they have uh, set for us. Hannah, do you have a question? Because I have, I have a question, but I'm going to wait. No, okay. I have a question just about um, your leadership, not just as student body president, but even before that, how was it coming into USC um, as a freshman? What were the first things that you got involved with, even if it was just being a general member of like, AAAS? <laughs> I know that was my first thing that I got involved in. I was like, okay. I see we're going over here, I'm going over here. And so how did that come to be? And then kind of off of that question, the collaborative effort of even meeting people that do not look like you. So joining those organizations where not a lot of people, like not a lot of people like you are in. I know my organization that was like that for me, the first one was University Ambassadors. So again, representation is everything. And I saw that there was a lack of representation, specifically as African-Americans, um, being ambassadors, being the people that 
show prospective students here, this is what I love, this is the place I love to call home, and I hope you can relate. And so not having a lot of that, it's going to be kind of hard to get, like, to recruit a diverse freshman pool um, when you do not have a lot of representation. So that was the one thing that made me say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get accepted, but I'm definitely going to apply to be an ambassador. I'm an ambassador now, and then be a part of the recruitment process. So what was that like for you in that organization? So when I came, so I am from a small town called Johnsonville, South Carolina. Go Flashes, Johnsonville Flashes, strike like a flash. Okay, that's my cornball of the day uh, <laughs> activity on the podcast. Uh, but I'm from a little small town. It's a thousand people um, from my little small town. And I was actually student body president of my high school. Um, all 300 and something of us uh, was student body president. And so when I went to USC, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be a number. I'm not going to be in any activities. I'm just going to just go. I went to USC. I walked into Patterson Hall, and I signed up for uh, AAAS. AAAS cookout was, I think, one of the first things that I went to. <laughs> or either it was either AAAS cookout or I think the Kappas have like a um, – they used to have a – uh, a cookout down, almost like in a hole down, like in a <laughs> by the creek behind um, Patterson Hall. Really? There was like this building. There was like it was like this park behind Patterson Hall, and you had to walk down this ravine to go down. I there. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so I know they, exactly what you're talking yes, about. Yes, they used to have a cookout out there. So I remember those were like some of the first things that I did in AAAS. Was I think the first student organization that I joined. And I was uh, in student uh, in AAAS, and then I also joined student government. I was in freshman council in student government. There were very few, I think, uh, very few uh, other black members of of freshman council uh, in student government. Um, and I also was active in my residence hall. Um, and so my experience at USC, I mean, some of my best friends that I am still in touch with that I'm still, you know, consider, uh, you know, my closest friends all went to USC. I'll never forget uh, my first party was the, the, the alphas were having a uh, party. At, the, at that time, there wasn't a Greek village. The Greek village didn't exist. The alphas were having a party at the alcohol. Uh, my friend Quentin Garrett, if he's listening to this, would probably just have, like, something to say about this. <laughs> I remember me and my... my um, my roommate, my, no, they lived on my hall with me, Patterson Hall. And we were afraid to go to an uh, alpha party. Like back then, it was like, oh, it was like this big thing. Like we're going to this party and we're going to remember each other's names and we're going to like hold each other's hand the whole time. And it was so much fun. And at the time, um, we went to this, um, this, it was a social, it was like a party. It was like a social gathering. Um, and that's where actually I met Jamel Franklin. Because uh, he was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, and uh, and I remember uh, I went to this this social gathering with the purpose of I want to meet the student body president. I want to get to know Jamel Franklin. Uh, he's the student body president. I was like really like all about like I want to meet the student body president, and I met him, and that's when I knew like I wanted to be like deeper in the student government and understand more about student government. Um, and then I met other. Um, other young people that were freshmen that were involved in other student organizations. So like that experience for me was a triple AS was really my cornerstone. NAACP was my cornerstone as well. Um, and student government um, was a cornerstone for me as well. And I also was involved 
um, uh, with other student organizations uh, at, at USC, uh, at the Minority Assistance Peer Program, the MAP program, mm -hmm. which was an incredible program where I was a MAP, I was a, a MAPI, and so mm -hmm. I had a counselor, and my counselor and I um, still are in touch. Uh, my, my counselor, Lakeisha Middleton, like we are still in touch to this day. Um, and my MAPI, uh, when I became a MAP counselor, uh, my MAPI, uh, uh, Tasha and I are still in touch uh, to this day. So, so those were organizations that were, and I was also on the gospel choir as well. I, I sang on the chosen <laughs> gospel choir. Uh, no, chosen. Chosen oh, no. was a, a was a, a smaller uh, gospel choir, so I, I was involved in in that as well. Oh, wow. um, I have a question. So, one thing um, when I was researching you when I first met you was that you have you have redefined what it means to have a birthday. <laughs> and I've always like that's how I told him. I said, "You don't understand. This is a legend. Like, <laughs> like truly." Uh, me and Taylor have been trying to get to Joe Taker Fest for the last two years. And I just want to know how that came about. Like, I just want to know. I just, I want to know everything about it. And please explain it to the people who don't know. Like, I just want to know every single thing about it. Because I'm been, I'm such a fan. I look at the website. I am a fan. Your pictures that you post, um, the backdrop, gorgeous. I just want to know. <laughs> I'm laughing. This is so funny. So shout out to all the Joteca Festers out there. Um, so Joteca Fest, how it started. So really Joteca Fest started many years ago. There's actually a very serious story behind Joteca Fest. So, um, you know, it's been about 15 years, 15, 16 years ago. I was in a very bad car accident when I was uh, headed home. Uh, I was in Johnsonville. I was in a very bad car accident. And uh, most people said that if you looked at the accident, if you saw the accident, you should probably thought I should have died. Um, and I lived, this car accident happened in September. Um, and my birthday was the very next February. And I was like, I'm going to have a big birthday and I'm just going to go big and I'm going to call it Joteca Fest. Mm -hmm. And that was really the first time there was ever a Joteca Fest. And for me, I just felt the need to just do my birthday a little bit bigger because I was just really honored and blessed to just be living. Um, and so that was really the first start. Um, and then when I had a milestone birthday, uh, I think it was uh, my 30th, I, I threw this big birthday party and uh, hired an event planner. And I was like, oh, just take a fest. And it was like, it got a little bigger. And then when I just had my most recent milestone birthday of uh, 40, um, I really just said, I want to do 40 uh, like no other. Like, I want to celebrate life. And there's a saying that I have, it's called, you know, hashtag my friends are dope, uh, because I truly believe that the, the people in my life and my friends, I've been so blessed to have so many people in my life that are incredibly talented and beautiful human beings and people who are doing amazing things in the world. And what I wanted for my birthday more than anything was to be able to bring those people together. Um, because when, when I think about just who I am as a, as a person, the thing that I often think of, of myself as a connector, um, and I wanted to connect all those people and I wanted to do it around my birthday. And so I just, it got a little crazy cause I just sort of would sit with my friends and be like, I want to go to an international destination cause I love to travel. So I wanted my birthday to be a, a, a surround myself with things that I loved. I love to travel. I love beaches. Uh, I love the Puerto Vallarta. I love people and I love connecting people. And so 
my birthday party was, uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as a vision of many people. Um, I had the most amazing uh, event planning team. I had a, a team based in Mexico and a team based in the U.S., uh, NIW Design, and they came together and curated and developed what, for me, is a, a lasting memory. Um, we were able to have 90 people uh, fly in, Ooh. and uh, it was lots of fun. And uh, we actually have a, a WhatsApp chat, and all of those people um, are on this chat. And as a result, you know, every time there's these people that witness your take a fest, like we pray together. Um, some are doing business together. Others have traveled together. I see some have even tried to date each other. So there's just been a lot um, as a result. And for me, it is the gift that keeps on giving. Every time I see uh, two people from, you know, the Joe quote, Joteca Fest birthday celebration, hanging out or, 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 or doing business together or either just, you know, praying together. To me, it is like the most beautiful birthday present ever because it is the present to me that continues to give and give and give. And I think it'll continue to give as long as I live. Um, and, and for me, that's the blessing in the birthday. Um, wow, a matchmaker. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out Okay, after I graduate. Hey, I think that's the move. Just, just, you can move. come to Joe Taken Fest. So we're actually taking Joe Taken Fest. Um, and I, I, it, we're going to continue. If there's been a, a request for Joe Taken Fest to continue. Uh, of course, after COVID-19, we have to figure it out. But we do plan to, to con convene Joe Taken Fest and turn it into just a gathering of super dope people and dope friends to come together. Uh, for the purposes of networking, getting to know each other, and building together. Um, so super excited to be 21 and over. So, I've been such a fan ever since like I saw the website. I said, now this is a concept. I said, this is a concept. And then when I followed you on Instagram, I said, this is the life. Like, <laughs> living the life. Um, and another, um, I think, little-known fact about you is that you're also a musician. Um, and so you um, record and release music from here and there. So um, I, too, have a music background. I have 14 years of, 14, 15 years of choral experience. Oh, uh, wow. And so during most of, I did, so during my time at USC, I did two semesters of mu musical theater. Um, and I've done, one, two, three, four semesters of vocal jazz. So um, almost other outside of this semester and the semester that I ran for student body president, I've always been involved in a musical ensemble on campus, um, which is also a little known fact about me. So I, I've been a musician, um, vocalist, and I was a French horn player um, back in high school when I was on marching band too. So I'm a musician as well. So um, just let's talk a little bit about that, like your music background and that. So I grew up singing in the church. So I'm mostly a uh, church singer, shower singer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, part of like one of the things I wanted to do for my for myself for, as a birthday gift to myself was to record music. It's always been something that I've always wanted to do. I've always fantasized about like, what's it like to go in the studio? I have friends that are that are Grammy nominated artists uh, that are amazing musicians. Uh, so it's always, you know, like, uh, you're just a little sort of like a little intimidated about getting out there. Um, but it was a beautiful process. And, and my dear friend, 
Lee Anderson, uh, uh, gifted me uh, studio time and production. And for me, it was just an opportunity to do something, a lifelong dream, um, and to put something out in the world. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily build myself as you know, I, I don't think I'm going to get that Grammy uh, just yet, but it, it just, uh, for me, it just felt good to follow a passion and, and to do something you love. And, and I encourage people who, who care about something, music, art, um, the creative, I think particularly in this time with COVID-19 uh, and coronavirus, um, you know, that, you know, there are a lot of people that are, you know, operating in uh, social isolation, uh, self-quarantining, uh, and I think this is the time to really lean in on your creative side, whether, you know, you like music or you like art or if you, if you like, you know, design, um, to just take some time and, and sort of dibble and dabble in that. I think it's good for the soul um, and it's definitely good for the mind. Um, where is, so for the people, let them know what the song is named and like where they can find it. Um, we're all about plugging things today. <laughs> so the name of the song is 40 Rotations, and it's 40, uh, F, uh, it's spelled out 40 uh, Rotations, and it's on all musical platforms. So you can find it on YouTube, you can find it on Tidal, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, and Alexa will play it, for, play it for you too. All right, Alexa. All right. <laughs> Not just the student body president, the first African-American woman to be student body president, the Olivia Pope of Silicon Valley, and an artist. I don't know what can be Olivia better, really. Olivia Pope was the Jotaka Edie of Washington. Oh, <laughs> and that's the T. Get it right. Mind your business hand, I'll get it right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. My, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Period. You gonna put some so I just want, I know, I mean, we only have like roughly 10 minutes left, but um, I just want to know, do you have any advice? I know I'm kind of being selfish right now, but have any advice for me as a newly elected um, officer? Um, we had inauguration via Zoom. We came in through the crisis. And so any advice for right now going through difficult times or and how to lead others, um, even when, and I know you, Merit can attest to this too, when sometimes you don't feel at, at your best, like you're at your best if that makes Hmm, absolutely. I, I saw your inauguration and uh, when you uh, when you were you I did. I did. You were standing there. You would had your hand up. See, <laughs> so you never know who's watching. Right. See, um, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, so I, the advice that I would give uh, the first advice that I, I, I would give is that it, it, it's OK to feel, you know, however you're feeling. That's, that's number one. That's for anybody, whether you're in leadership or not. It's, it's okay. Uh, we are in a time of just uh, the world is in a, in, a, in a space and a place that none of us could have anticipated. Um, but the thing that is important to know, um, I, I think that it, it shines through is, is, is the ability to, to lead being your authentic self. Um, that's the first piece of advice that I would give you, whether we're dealing with COVID-19 or not, um, is that, that, that to be your authentic self and to know that your authentic self is always enough. Um, that's something that I think we all as, as just as generally as people, um, and particularly as leaders, sometimes we might second guess, am I enough? Uh, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I filling the blank enough? But I think it's important for us to make sure that we get out of our own way and recognize that we are enough 
Um, it doesn't mean that you can't ever become a better version of yourself. Um, and that you can't ever grow. Um, I think sometimes people think that just when you hear, oh, you're already enough, you don't need to do anything else. It doesn't mean that you can't grow and that you right. can't learn and you can't stretch yourself and be better. But, but, but know that, that the table, the position, um, the place that you sit, you absolutely deserve to be there. And so every time you sit down, remind yourself, I belong here. Um, I am supposed to be here. I was voted into this space. Um, and there are people that voted you into office because they believe in your leadership. Um, and you have to always remind yourself that when you sit down at any table, that is important for you to carry all the people that voted for you and all the people that stand with you with you. That while you may sit as one, you, you're there representing many. Um, and, and that's something that is incredibly important. I think both of you uh, alluded to this earlier, is that when you're in a position of leadership or a, a positional position of power, that to be at the table is one thing. But don't be at the table if you're unwilling to speak up. If you're unwilling to say uh, what might be uncomfortable, but what you know is right. Don't shrink yourself ever or dim your light ever uh, for the sake of someone else's satisfaction when you know what is right. And I think that's the, something that is going to be incredibly important in, in your leadership or anyone's leadership, no matter where they're at, in, whether at the University of South Carolina, whether they are graduated, whether they're in corporate America, whether they're in a political arena, it's important that if you are at the table, that you use your voice. Because I think often people think it's just, it's just enough to be in the room or it's just enough to just to make it into the room. No, yeah. you're in here with a purpose. Uh, my mentors have always taught me the colored girls. And hold on one second. I'm gonna plug their book because I keep it uh, near and dear to me, uh, the colored girls. It, it, for those of you who are out there, I encourage you to read this book. Um, this, this is an amazing book. Um, Hannah and Lyric, if you send me your address, I will, I will mail you copies of this book as a gift from me to you. Um, but uh, these women are, are my mentors, uh, all of these women. Uh, I talk to them on a weekly basis. Uh, I've learned from them. Um, but the, the thing that these women taught me um, is that when you enter into a room or a space, that it is important for you to go through a door, um, but you need to make sure that you are opening the door wide so others can, can follow behind you and win, and every time you can to take the hinges off the door um, and to remove the entire frame so as many women can follow behind you. And this important notion that you have to lift as you climb, that as you walk a sin, that you have to make sure that you are lifting others up with you and along the way. And I think those are important attributes in, in leadership. Um, and that these times, and, and particularly as you, you're gonna be leading during a time where things are very, very uh, uh, different. And compassion, conviction, um, and empathy are important characteristics of leadership. Um, and, and, and it's not just, I don't think it's just just uh, okay to be just the smartest or the most tactful or the most strategic. 
but also to be an empathetic leader, to be a compassionate leader, to be a leader that listens, um, and a leader that, that really tries to step outside of themselves and to understand um, the people that you are leading. And it, when you can, and as often as you can, to, to ensure that the people that you're leading are empowered, that they have a voice, and, 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 and leadership often sometimes is, is the ability to step back and allow others to step in front. Um, and th that, that, I think that'll be important, particularly in these times um, and, and leading in a moment. But the thing that I, I would really encourage you to go back to is to, to know that you absolutely belong in the space in which you are in um, and that you are always enough. Um, and I think that that's a perfect note to end everything on. I've always admired just the fact that you come from a small town and all the people, not only just the people you've been able to meet, but the person you've been able to be, um, I think even for me as a first generation college student from where like I come from, a lot of times, even in situations like this, after everything I've accomplished, like moments like this, like being able to do like this podcast, I'm meeting people, I still, I think I struggle like, am I really like enough? Am I really like, am I really here? And I think like a lot of times, like, it's so easy to feel like, what, what's the imposter syndrome? It's imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Um, and things of that nature and just feel like you're not enough, but just being able to have that confidence and not only just have that confidence for yourself, but pay it forward for even those of us that we might not, Hannah and I, we may not be there yet, but hopefully like 20 years down the road, we'll be on the other side of the camera um, and be able to do this for somebody else. Um, hopefully in person. Let's start there. Hopefully in person. Hopefully. Absolutely. And you know, I think, and I think I'm going to challenge you. And this is the one, one day I was talking to one of my um, dear sister friends and, and mentors. Uh, she's older sister, Tanya Lombard. And I was saying to her, she's an incredible giant in corporate America. Um, and she's a VP at AT&T. And I was like, Tanya, I want to be like you. I just want to, you know, be able to yield uh, power like you yield power and, and how you do it. And she said, you know what? If you're like me, you know, I failed you. I was like, well, what do you mean? She was like, you have to be better than me. Uh, and I think that's how we have to constantly think about how we pay it forward. It's like, how do we instill in the, the person that's, that's coming up behind you? How do you, how do you, in, in as much as you can help them not make the mistakes that you made to learn and to be better than you. Um, and I think that's an important uh, lesson that when she said that, I was like, you know, you, you're, you're right. And so I'm going to challenge you both is that not in 20 years, you'll be on the other side, but in just, you know, the next, the next year, you'll be on the other side of the screen. Um, and uh, I, I think you're going to get there far sooner than 20 years. And, and if, and if not, I failed you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much. Um, we've been asking all our guests to donate, but you were actually our first donation. You were the uh, first, and you set the bar. You set the standard, <laughs> like you always do. Um, so thank you. That's all. Um, well, I'm I'm excited. I I would like to challenge. I went on Twitter and I challenged uh, anti gun. I challenged uh, Sam Johnson, Farce uh, uh, Farce uh, Austin. I also challenged uh, my good friend, Sarah, uh, who was uh, foreman, who was my campaign manager. I, I would like to challenge some other Gamecocks out there. I would like to challenge Aisha Taylor, Quentin Garrett, Sasha Hammond, Mimi Groves, who was on the track and field team. Oh, let me hit up my, uh, my other good friends. Oh, 
I mean, there's so many Gamecocks that I can challenge, but I'm going to call them all out on Facebook. Uh, I want to challenge Shanika Washington. I want to challenge all the Gamecocks, every AAAS member, every former student uh, government member, and particularly all former student body presidents uh, to meet me in the donation room and support this worthy cause. Period. No, meet her there. Beat her there. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and that link is in the YouTube chat. And um just take you put it in again. Um I'm People gonna ask you to put it in again because they have to keep scrolling back. Well, I'm going to put that in the YouTube chat again. All right, it's in. But yes, thank you so much to take um for imparting that knowledge upon us. Um this will not be the last time you definitely see me a handle. Oh, no. Oh, absolutely this not. Send me your addresses so I can send you a copy of this amazing book for colored girls who considered politics. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Take care. Uh, and this is amazing. I'm so happy to support and uh, Gamecocks everywhere support this worthy cause. You ladies continue to be just brilliant and uh, you are the epitome of black girl magic on Gamecock Fleek. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank take you. care. Bye-bye. Our next guest um, is on the way. I'm really excited um, for this next guest. Um, I've met him before, but um, Hannah has not. And um, this guy is a, um, I, I'm just going to go ahead and call him a Gamecock leader because like, uh, he's all that in a bag of chips to me. Um, so really about to bring him on right now. So I'm super excited. Um, and um, our next guest is our incoming provost, um, Dr. William, also known as Bill Tate. Um, and I'm really excited to have him on. Um, he's getting his audio and video cleared right now. Oh, there he is. Hey, how are you? You brought the hat again. Yeah, but I'm not wearing the other gear. <clears throat> you know, you might think I don't. I wear the same clothes every day. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, I, I have. Some folks don't change during the pandemic. I, I changed my gear up. Um, I have two strong um, Gamecock outfits. It's so crazy because, like, as a freshman, you collect all these T-shirts because there's constant things on campus and they throw things at you. And then now as a senior, I can only find one good, like one good Gamecock shirt. Right now, I'm wearing my Kobe shirt, my I feel like Kobe shirt, um, because I couldn't find my Gamecock shirt. Um, but it's so crazy because you have all this gear and then suddenly like it just disappears. Um, so I feel you. Um, hopefully we can get you a lot more um, gear so you will never run out. Um, so, um, Hannah took like a quick break to go um, jump on the phone call since she'll be back within like the next three minutes. But okay. yes, how are you today? Doing well. Um, actually, I haven't had people respond po that positively to one of my podcast episodes in a very long time. Um, well, like people you typically, you know, they love the show, but when you came on the show, I had so many people text me. They said, oh my God, like I love this guy. Like I can't believe like, you talking to him, um, you've built up quite a fan base um, at the University of South Carolina. People are anxiously um, awaiting your arrival. Um, so excited. Um, Hi, Hannah. Hello, how are you? Doing well. I, I was telling him how he's built up uh, a large fan base at the university. Um, You're famous. 
people are just so excited um, for his arrival and like they loved the podcast episode that he was on and just responded so well to it. Yeah. Even since like the first time you were on campus, students have always just loved you and followed you ever since that day. So even on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, I know that you just talked to uh, my chief advisor, shout out JD, and you yeah. guys had, yes, and you guys had a great discussion. He told me about the great idea about the Black Expo, so I'm very interested in talking to you sometime after this about that. But overall, just so excited to have you on campus and leading the university. I'm glad. I thought I might have scared him a little bit. No. No, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I was in my, you know, professor mode when he called me. So he's just like, okay, I'm taking notes. I was like, good. <laughs> Those notes down. <laughs> he did and he right after that call he called me and he was like you would not believe who i just got the phone with and i'm like who did you just call the phone he's like dr tate and i was like yeah that's a big deal what did he say like tell me everything and he wrote down notes because everything he did take notes i was impressed i was impressed <laughs> tell him i was impressed but don't don't tell him too much his head might get big <laughs> i'll make a note um i've actually because i've been uh spoken to you before hannah let's talk about it hannah tried to fight me so like when Hannah was starting her podcast, 1801, and I said, I said, Hannah, guess who's about to come on the Patrick Short Feminist this week? I said, I got, I got tape. I said, like, I told everybody, I said, y'all, y'all, and like, everybody was so excited. Hannah said, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but I specifically said that I wanted my first guest of my podcast. I did. You Dr. Tate. And I don't know if you heard me. I don't know if we were arguing during the time or something like that. But she said, Lyric, I don't know if you did this to spite me. She was so upset. Like she said, I don't know if you, she said, don't get me wrong. I'm happy for you, I guess. But she said, I really want him to be the first, ep uh, first episode of my show. And I feel like you kind of ruined that. But it's fine. Like she was so upset. Um, I was so upset. And then like, even you reaching out on LinkedIn, like, you don't understand. That made my day. Like, no one could ruin my day. I was like, do you know who, like, commented on my post on LinkedIn? Like, Dr. Tate, he, Dr. William Tate. I just, my day was made. And so, yeah. But I heard the podcast. It was amazing. And then I knew since we were going to do this podcast at dawn, I was like, okay, well, he's definitely going to be on this podcast at dawn, as well as I'm going to be able to speak to you throughout the year where Lyric is graduating. So I was like, you know, that is your moment. That's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, since so since Hannah didn't get to ask the, the questions last time, since I, you know, you were on the Patchwork Feminist, um, I'll let her lead in the, the questioning that she has for you, because um, I know she has tons of questions. And if I have any at the end, I don't know if you saw, but Don Staley was on earlier. Uh, and no, I was, I've been in Zoom meetings all day. That's why, you know, we were changing the times around. <laughs> So I've been, I've had back to back to back to back meetings all day. So what did Don Staley? Well, I have to go back and look. It's, it's this is recorded. I see. Yes, um, and Brendan, um, um, who is going to go back in, you know, and edit it all um, and post like the highlights um, on our individual podcast. Uh, but the thing was, in your original time slot, as I had it, um, you were kind of going right. You were going to go off right as she was coming on. So I was going to kind of like let you meet her a little bit via Zoom. Oh man, that would be hyped. Yes. Uh, and I wasn't even gonna let you know that I was gonna do that. I was just gonna like, Oh, I would have been just messed up. That's but you know, we had to make that happen another time. See Hannah, oh, there yeah. it is. There's there's yours. That is it. That's it right there. We need and to have you know a what? point deal where we just going in. Oh yeah, that'd be fire. 
I'm putting it in my notes right now. It's going to happen. There it is. Mm-hmm. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Lyric, you're just going to have to watch that one. I know. I'm, I'm really mad. Y'all making all these plans without me. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, um, Coach David was on earlier, and I was going to try to, like, get you in to say, hey, um, uh, she was on her way out. But, yeah, Hannah, go ahead and let it rip. Okay, well, first, um, I just want to know a little bit, or if you can tell everyone, because we have an audience, a little bit about your background and how you even got involved in higher education. Yeah, that, so like, like all of you, um, you know, I went to undergrad. I, I was not thinking about being a professor at the time. Um, I wanted to, uh, I was in economics and I was getting a minor in math and I was thinking about being in the area of finance or, you know, really more, I was really thinking about like Wall Street or stock market kind of things. That was how I was thinking about my life. I had a really great professor in undergrad. He was a labor economics uh, professor and I took one of his classes. Then I decided to take a second one in labor economics. And um, I told him, you know, I just started asking questions because he seemed to take an interest in me. Um, I was asking him, so what is it like to be a professor? This seems to be a pretty cool gig. I mean, you come in here, you talk about economics. And he had worked in the labor um, for the National Labor Relations Board. So he was talking about that work and sort of the things that he was doing there. And um, I said, so you can bounce between doing things in the private sector and or government and the university. And he said, yes, it's a really great job. You should think about it. And so um, my advisor at the time, so that's how I got the math part, actually, because I was just straight econ. And then he told me to get a minor in math, because if I was going to get a PhD in economics, that I would need to know a lot of math. And um, I was tutoring um, calculus in undergrad. And then I was, I was a TA for the, in the math department. And um, I was all set I was going to do, I was going to go work for one year, and then I was going to get a PhD in economics. In fact, I got admitted to grad school. I was deferred. I deferred it a year. And I was going to do um, financial management. I think I mentioned this in one of the talks I gave down at South Carolina. And then they had a, they, they literally had a, like the market tanked and they had to freeze hiring. And so I took a job um, teaching math and coaching in the public schools in Dallas and um, really started to see how, um, a lot of the young people weren't really having a great opportunity to learn math in the way I had uh, growing up. And uh, I didn't understand why. And so um, while I was teaching, I decided to go back to grad school and just study math and then think about maybe I was thinking about, oh, but you have to ignore my dog um, because, okay, so let me tell you about my dog real quick. No, so, so this is my dog, Midnight. Now, Midnight is, is, is actually playing a game here. She knows that I'm on something important. And therefore, she's trying to get a B-N-E. I can't say it because then she'll want me to go get it. So, so this is a real game now. I, midnight. Sit. Can sit? Midnight's about 99 years old now. That's not like Hannah dog. Hannah's dog is so My dog is old too. But she's it's this is a bribery attempt. She does it to my wife all the time when she has mm-hmm. calls. Um she wants she wants what she wants. So if I have to break away to finish this, it'll be just two seconds. But um bottom bottom line was I thought um there's a, 
I found out when I was working on my master's in, in, in the area of math and math education that there was a whole field called math education that really dealt with the labor issues of how do you build up people's capacity to do math. And then I decided that was of more interest to me at the time. I was really, it was really more applied and something I could get my hands around. And so I thought I wanted to be a professor in that area. And I headed off to Maryland for grad school. And it worked out really well, um, much better than I could have imagined actually. Then I ended up at um, finishing my PhD in Maryland and I did a postdoc at Wisconsin. And then I stayed at Wisconsin for about 10 years on the faculty there, it was a great place. Um, from Wisconsin, I took a leave and went back to Dallas to help them out doing some work on a big grant. Spent the year at TCU, and then I came to Wash U, and I've been here for the last um, 18 years. And then I know, so math was a huge thing, but as well as just public health. And so me being a fan of your Twitter account, as well as um, LinkedIn, I always stay up to date via your post as well as your post lead me to researching more about what is going on but especially during this time with the pandemic happening um how does how has that experience helped you to deal with this current circumstance yeah that's, so that's that's just a lifelong learning thing so i was a full professor i actually had an endowed chair at the time i was going on sabbatical and um i, I was talking to some area superintendents and they were telling me about a lot of the psychological and mental health issues that were going on in the community. I became very curious about how to prevent some of those matters as a, you know, I was a, so, I'm a social scientist. So I went back to school to um, study epidemiology, uh, specifically prevention uh, with a focus on psychiatric issues. And so um, I, I did that and I completed the program here at the medical school, which was a really great experience. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna tell you about something you actually appreciate going to school more when you're older. Like I, I had taken, you know, I had been so far removed from, I was always teaching, but I wasn't in class. When I switched it and I was sitting in class and I'm sitting there studying, I actually studied like with a, with a level of vigor I never did when I was an undergrad. Um, and I, I mean, cause I was probably having too much fun, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the reality is, um, it's helped me because when they talk about all the modeling and, and things, all my math background and then understanding the epidemiology of it lets me interpret and see what these models really mean. I can, I can really get a sense of, is this a good approximation or bad? Is it a reasonable one or not? What's, what's missing in the assumptions? What does it mean for you know, applying in real time? And so it's been helpful. So what I've tried to do, um, Hannah and Lyric, is I've tried to interpret what the CDC and other agencies are saying in very um, scientific terms and reformulated in a way that could be consumed by anybody who has an eighth grade level reading ability and could pick up a local newspaper and read. I felt like it was my job as an educator to try to take some of those really technical reports and make them really accessible to the public. And so that's why I've been writing those articles um, for the St. Louis American here which is um, one of the oldest uh, uh, African-American newspapers in the United States. So my whole thing was, um, if I could give back and put things in that form, that would be great. I had written an article about um, the H1N1 pandemic, more for a research audience, um, back when President Obama was president and they had put together the pandemic plan then. So much of that uh, work helped inform what I was doing in terms of interpreting this more recent research. 
And then I know you mentioned briefly about like your African-American studies um, and how you have gotten involved with that. But specifically, I know you're coming to USC to be the university provost, but any plans in getting involved in that specific department even while you're on campus? So I, 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 my, the apartment home I'm gonna have there, I, I think is sociology. Mm-hmm. And um, then also family and preventive medicine in the med school. Um, so because, you know, when you're trying to do a contract really fast and make an announcement, you don't spend a lot of time seeing which department you're gonna right. be in. Um, certainly I would um, be open to engaging with, because uh, I have a long history. I was, you know, the interim uh, director of AFAS here and um, and have been a faculty member in that unit for some time. So hopefully um, I could be involved with that department as well as education and um, potentially public health. So it's my hope. Uh, I don't know if I'll have time to teach, but hopefully somebody will let me be a guest lecturer or something like that. Um, or you never know. Um, never know. I might end up teaching. Maybe I have to get my feet wet and see how much, how, what the job right. is like for a year or two. But um, I wouldn't mind teaching again. I, I haven't taught in a while, so I'll be a little rusty. I have to see if I have, oh. some, if I have any skills left. <laughs> but um, I, I enjoy working with the students in those classes and um, getting to know them and their dreams, but also, you know, teaching them about the different areas that, you know, more from a sociological approach of thinking about health and education. And I really enjoy doing that. So I hope, I hope there's some opportunities to get in front of some students and talk and help, help them learn a little something. Of course, even if it's not even on a university level, like I know you've already gotten so many probably emails, tweets, um, LinkedIn messages, like we, we really are waiting for you to come to campus and just hit it off. So whether it's on a university level, you teaching a class, or even I know so many organizations just cannot wait to press send on that email to you, to you for you to get to speak um, in front of any and everyone about whatever the topic may be, it definitely will happen. And then I know specifically at the university that you're at right now, what are a few ways you felt um, really resonated with the students when it came to connecting with them? And then are you planning to bring those over or try to do different tactics in order to connect with them? Yeah, I, I tried to work, you know, as a graduate dean with this, our graduate student government closely. I really enjoyed that. Um, I had my last graduate council meeting as dean um, yesterday. It was painful because I couldn't be in person with them and it had to be like this. Um, what I've tried to do is really be real. Um, I, I talked to them at a meta level. Let me explain what I mean. So I literally try to help them understand why or how I had to make a decision because I know they're budding um, professionals who, who many of them may work in higher education. So I don't just say this is what we're going to do. I say, okay, here were, the, here were the tree of options that we had before us, and here are the resources that I have. What would you do if you were in my position? And um, a lot of times they wouldn't do what I would have done, but I would tell them, and then I would try to explain why I, why I went a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then they can see some of it is based upon information and data, and some of it is based upon values. And a big part of being a leader is helping people understand what your values are. And then you can at least have everything on the table 
um, so you can talk about it. So that's a big part of what I enjoy doing with students. I mean, I remember interviewing there last year, I mean, you know, the first time, and I think somebody asked me a question. It was like dealing with race or gender, and I pushed back on them a little bit, and I did that on purpose because my whole thing is you need to be thinking about what you're saying when you talk to me because I'm thinking about what you're saying, and you better be ready. <laughs> so, so that's that's part of why I love being in higher education because our whole job, both students and faculty and staff, we're supposed to be all learning. And that means we have to be thinking about what other people are saying and processing what they value and the principles they have, and then juxtapose them to yours and then put it out there openly so people can see it and then figure out why you did what you did. I think that makes just for much better, um, first of all, the communication is better. And it also is how people learn. So I, what I hope to bring is just a perspective that's pretty open and direct. You know, I don't know culturally what South Carolina is like. I've never lived in South Carolina. <laughs> I've ne I've ne I have never Favorite gone to school time. in South Carolina. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I do have some Southern roots. I think I talked about that for, you know, my grandparents and I've heard what they said, but I'm coming with a certain perspective. Uh, now I have to adapt because, um, the university and in the, the I'm not I'm not coming in to change the culture. That one person doesn't do that. But I think um, if I adapt appropriately and stay within certain traditions, but also push a little bit, I think that there could be a different flavor to what happens. And that's uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I remember when you came and visited um, for the presidential search, and somebody asked you a question because I went to both your student panel and I went to like the faculty one and like somebody asked you a question and you said, what do you think? And then I, everybody said, oh, oh no. Like, uh, <laughs> like I said, oh, yeah. I, said, I remember that I was in the group chat. They said, I remember oh, that no. too. Like, <laughs> said, what do we do now? We didn't, we didn't think about it. We didn't this think far. this far. And you said, what, what would you do? Yeah. And I said, oh. right. I mean, that, that's the deal. So because all of you are the leaders, mm -hmm. you know, either you, you're either um, you're leading with a purpose or you, you've fallen into it. And, you know, by default, you have to do some leadership activities. But, but, but bottom line is you're all at the University of South Carolina in preparation to be citizens in this country or wherever you're from and to add value to that community and society. That's the end game. Otherwise, why are we investing in you? And so... If that's the case, I'm just a steward of the resource as a, as a faculty member and an administrator. And my job is to press in to help you think so that when you get into a position of authority, you know, it's not gotcha questions that's gonna win the day. It's gonna win the day is if you can track through and think through ideas to a point that there can be some collective action to change what's gonna happen. And so I'm not really fascinated by people with the got you questions. You know, that, does, that doesn't move me at all. And if it's a really good question I can't answer, of course, the next retort is, well, what would you do? Or I could answer it, but I know you want me to say one thing, so we're going to go down another way. So you're trying to say that he's this or that. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, I've been around the block. So, <laughs> so, the, so the bottom line is what we have to do is to try to um, – as, as educators, 
you know, just constantly push students. I really, that's the part, you know, Hannah asked me about what I want to bring. That's the part I really enjoy. You know, in the end, you know, we have to do meetings dealing with budget and policy and things of that sort. But what the whole process is about is working with, with you all and, and figuring out um, how to help you grow and be better um, so that you can lead our society forward. And, um, and, I, and that's the exciting part about the work. Um, actually, I think um, one of my friends just texted me and told me to tell this funny story. So we're gonna tell this funny story. You, you never knew that this probably existed and it's gone now, but you just, <laughs> I know it's, exactly. gone. it's gone now. But um, there was a time while Hannah was running for a student body vice president, we had made a separate account before we decided to just um, flip Izzy's Instagram to the campaign account. And like, so the separate account that we didn't have, like we didn't figure out what to do with it, had like at least 200 followers and stuff on it. So we were trying to figure out what are we going to do with this account? And at the minute it was happening in the middle of while provost search visits were happening on campus. So we, <laughs> we had the idea to turn it into a William Tate Stan account. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't know. You probably never saw it. But no. there was a William Tate Stan account on Instagram. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was us. It was us. It's gone. So is it gone now? It is now the 1801 Hannah's podcast account. Well, and then we decided to do 1801 Live via student government page. So now it's just stagnant. But yes, at one point it was your, you don't understand because it was like, right, what, a week or two after elections when they mm -hmm. made the big announcement yeah. that you were going to be the next university provost. And no, and even when the search was going on. And so like, you know, like all the candidates were visiting. And once we yeah. knew that he was one, like, it was like, okay. But I'm talking about like the first post was made. Oh, yeah. The first yeah. post was made when it was official. And that's how every, excited everyone was. If it wasn't through your personal accounts on Twitter or on Instagram, then it was through standard. It was through. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm sure you probably never knew this. No, I didn't know that one. That's, That's wild. We're ready. <laughs> it wasn't just us. Like you're right. This was a collaborative effort. Um, of my. I would have loved to see that. But yes, there was. It was a William Tate stand account. So, that's a fun fact about what we do in our spare time. Wow, I'm really that is wild. <laughs> I don't know if you've gotten to like research any or just even find out about some of the traditions at USC, but. Depending, we have so many. We have the clapping circle, of course, cop stop during homecoming, and then specifically for the black community, um, we have uh, back to flag, we have fashion show. So what is one thing, if you have heard of any of the traditions at USC, what is one thing you're excited to I mean, you guys, you guys are going to have to educate me. I, I oh. actually, so let me tell you how bad, bad, I literally got on Amazon a few days ago. I was like, I need a book on the history of South Carolina. So, you know, in, in, when, I, when I went to Texas as a teacher, I had to take Texas history. Mm. So I, I ended up taking a class reading all about Texas history. It was extremely helpful. And then when I moved to Wisconsin, they had this tour where you could go all around the state and learn all about Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And even though I was from Chicago, I, in, high, in college, I took a class on the history of Chicago. And uh, when I moved to St. Louis, I started doing research on, on St. Louis, Missouri. So I read, read all the books on 
not all of them, but many books related to the history of St. Louis yeah. and Missouri. So I have this thing about reading the history of wherever I'm going, because I really think that it's important to understand the people and how, 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 how do we get to where we are? So I'm behind right now because of this pandemic. So I was on Amazon uh, last night, I kid you not, searching. There was only like three history books dealing with South Carolina, and they all stopped like, uh, like 1930. And I'm thinking, that's not getting it done for me. So I, I need one. I'm going to get those, and then I'm going to get some, see if I can find some more contemporary work. But So I need you all to educate me on your favorite tradition so I know to look out for it. Now, I know about homecoming. I know homecoming is a big deal. I will say, if you want to know all you need to know about the University of South Carolina, hey, have a meeting, just sit down for an hour with Bobby Donaldson. Oh, yes. And you will learn absolutely everything you need to know. Now, you might want to start a riot once you, now, he, you might want to start a riot afterwards. But listen, Bobby Donaldson, I think um, he's a professor, distinguished professor um, in our history department, um, our Justice for All exhibit um, which was greatly acclaimed about, um, it's a, it was an exhibit that was in our um, Thomas Cooper Library that was the, what was it? It was an exhibit on the um, civil rights history of South Carolina. Um, and it talked a lot about student activism during that time, not just at the University um, of South Carolina, but just as, you know, our local HBCUs and things of that nature. Um, just talking about like the whole civil rights history of South Carolina, a very inclusive history, um, I would say, of uh, I mean, good and bad talked about like our first, um, the first marks of leadership, like when Jim Clyburn, um, who is called the kingmaker in today's democratic politics, how he got his start in politics, because um, uh, he started, I mean, at South Carolina State University and things of that nature. Um, it's a very inclusive um, history. Um, and he was very instrumental in that, um, and that Justice for All ex um, exhibit, which was temporarily in the, um, in the library, but now recently has found a permanent home um, in our Booker T. Washington Auditorium, which is a historical building, the first African-American high school um, in Columbia, South Carolina, um, which uh, the USC bought the building. Um, and now it's one of our, their auditorium building is now one of our classroom buildings in the home of our TRIO department. Shout out to OSP um, and TRIO, uh, my home um, at USC. But yes, it's going to live there now. So that's uh, that should be on your bucket list of people to meet bobby donaldson um luke talked about him earlier but he's on sabbatical right yeah, he's, he's on leave when i was visiting yeah he's on sabbatical right now but i think he's still in the city um but amazing 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 man um and knows a little bit of everything so yes also and this is miss maybe not it's not as official as a formal textbook but if you are just looking for some good reads about specifically USC, the University of South Carolina, Gamecock Archives. They're free, it's online, and it goes as far back, I believe, as the 19, what, weird? 19, oh, you're talking about the, the you talking about the Gamecock? Like the, yes. uh, oh, the actual student news. It goes back to 1908. Yes. But when I tell you, because I'm, the only reason why I know this is I'm doing a project, shout out to my uh, SCHC class, but I'm trying to create a tour specifically about African-American history on campus. But just for all history, if you just want to know what goes on, the traditions, um, how students work, how they get around, and any and everything, 
that is a good read, just a fun read. Of course, do your due diligence with textbooks, students. I still am willing to say my favorite um, thing to do at USC, but also if you just want a fun read of what happened at USC throughout the years, that is a great free read. That is All right, that's good advice. I wrote that one down. See, I'm taking notes. Like JD. <laughs> <laughs> um, what yeah. would you say is your favorite lyric, your favorite um, tradition? Wow. They had a thing. You're, did you remember the, the Instagram, like, bingo? And it's like, you have to choose three. But those were, like, those were just, like, kind of like the Black USC tradition. Right. So imagine all. Uh, what is my favorite tradition? I – it's so many. And I, I think that I've been able – like, I've got been able to participate in so much. Like, junior year, I was able to host Tiger Bird, which was so cool. Um, we burn, um, we, so our engineering department every year, they build a large tiger. Um, like the Clemson tiger? Yes. Mm -hmm. We build like a wooden tiger and we burn it down on the field. And you burn it down. Yeah. You burn it down. Such a waste of resources. Um, <laughs> and probably terrible for the environment. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, the sustainability girl in me hates it, but it's a, it's a, it's a tradition. Um. But Tiger Burn isn't my favorite. Um, I love football. I'm honestly, I just love women's basketball games. Like whenever USC plays UConn, Colonial Life Arena, it pops. Like it's lit. It's crazy in there. Um, I love the cookout. I love homecoming. Being able to just meet so many different people. Like I love me. Oh, I I love me like the older crowd. Like the versions of us and like. I'm a, can I stop you one second? Huh? I'm going to have to deal with this dog. Okay. <laughs> one moment. That gives us some time to think, Hannah. I, I think I need to choose two. I need, I need to choose an overall university one, and then I feel like I need to choose, like, one pertaining to, like, the black community. Uh-huh. So, yeah. and that's still going to be hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm currently trying to, like, delete stuff off my computer. Because like it says like I'm running out of space and I if, if this thing stops and it's my fault like I will actually like I will I'll, I'll run away. What stops? I'll run away. I said if the live stops. Oh why would it stop? No because like you know like sometimes when your computer is overloaded and stuff you know like oh it, yeah so that's why I'm just trying to go ahead and just delete some stuff real quick because lyric don't got time. <laughs> We don't have time for that. Okay, you know, now Leah, you have to go first. You've been here longer. Leah so got now. the women's basketball game. Um, that's not my favorite though. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> I love. What brought you here though? Um, so much. I I love the bustle at the Russell. Um, what's to say that again? Bustle at the Russell. So it's basically like the welcome back party for um well welcome back party for Russell House. Um every year and it's a big thing that's how i walk out with some that freshman my freshman year i walked out with i was so full like you know insomnia cookies everywhere and then that was my first time ever eating insomnia i walked out with like three free t-shirts i had a gamecock hat like keep I, talking two of my two of my close friends um well she wasn't my friend at that point but like the only guy the only person who came from my high school with me um we went to the bustle at the Russell, and when we when we left bustle at the Russell, we were walking out, and this girl 
dropped her shoe. It was not her shoe. She dropped something on her way back to her dorm. And he like, he picked it up for her, blah, blah, blah. And they met in that moment after Bustle After Russell. And they've been together for four years. They've been for, yeah, they met outside of Bustle After Russell because he, she dropped something and he picked it up and they've been together for four years since. Um, so I watched like, and they, yeah, it, they're kind of annoying how in love they are. <laughs> but so, yeah, it's just so many. I love inauguration. Um, inauguration, like when real inauguration, when you're able to have it, like, and like, you know, in Rutledge Chapel and then, um, and later into like the president's um, reception, it was always, even like for me, even though like, you know, and I was just there for Sophie last year, it's always a great event. Um, just kind of like being able to do that. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I love it all. I really do love it all. It's very few things. The only thing that I hate is convocation. I hate convocation. Now, yes. And that's probably the one thing you're like mandated to do, <laughs> Dr. J, is convocation. And that's the one thing. It's a tradition, but it's the first, okay, they, they, it's the first time that you're in the same area with all of your class. And so it's a big deal. It's like the, the first and only time, if I don't believe that's officially that you're with your class until graduation. So convocation at the beginning and then graduation at the end. So it's kind of, it's a, it's kind of like a ritualistic thing, but I do agree with Lyric. It's not my favorite. I know my two favorites though. Do you I know adjust my lighting, but keep talking. Okay. So my favorite for as far as like university wise, um, I think it would be First Night Carolina. And that's where it's specifically for freshmen, but even this past year, I know, a lot of upperclassmen just went out there. It's just a great time. So there's a DJ on Green Street. There's typically fireworks. Um, there's food trucks. The president of the university gives his first speech to the freshman class. Cheerleaders are out there. It's the first time uh, you do sandstorm with the rally towels. It's just, it's a big party, basically, where the university is bringing in the freshman class. And then a lot of upperclassmen kind of bombarded, too. And they have a great time as well. Yeah. Yes. First night Carolina is my first And the crazy thing is like they changed it. Um, so my first Carolina night Carolina did not look like Hannah. So it was oh. basically it was just in Colonial Life Arena, the football team came out here, but they just like woo cheer, like we didn't really like it like that. Um but they they revamped it when Hannah was a freshman. Um it's amazing. And actually I think that, that ended up being one of my favorite traditions because you know like this year me and Luke got to host um and welcome. Um, U of SC 23. So that might be it. Yeah, that and then for the the black community specifically, the AAAS fashion show. So I think that I think that is my favorite tradition. Uh, shout out to Grace for my freshman year. She was fashion show director, and then shout out to Joseph and Michelle for this year being the directors. Ever since I come into the university and went to that to the fashion show, I didn't know what to expect. But I mean, thinking like it's in the ballroom, like, okay, it, it can't be like, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting New York, you know, New York Fashion Week. This is New York Fashion Week. In my eyes, I was so blown away. The, the models, what they were wearing, the production, the performance aspect of it, the lighting, it's, you do not want to miss it. It's a time, and you have to come. Fashion Show. Yes, the AAAS Fashion Show. And you have to come dressed to impress. So you your best, yes, 
You will get clowned if you look. Oh, you get clowned if you just show up. You just show up. They're gonna look. You're gonna look. Yeah, people are gonna be like, "What's what's wrong? What, what happened?" <laughs> so you have to dress to impress. But those two are those are the two things that I look forward to every. And it's funny because like one is really specifically for freshmen. But I mean, like, hey, I go. It's before school starts too, so it's like technically when they move in. But I'm there. And then the fashion show, which happens typically at the end of the first semester. Um, so there have to be pictures of this fashion show around, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, pictures, yeah. videos. Drip or drown. Period. Um, I think that the fashion show, I think, is just so cool. Um, just like you, I think it's, it shows you, like, how much talent, I think, is, like, amongst our students. And, like, these are not fashion merchandising majors. The, um, these are people who are, like, from all over campus who just, like, um, participate in this, like, absolutely every year. I love the cookout. Um, Back to Black um, is really amazing. What's that? Um, Back to Black is hosted by Savvy and Bond. Um, so Savvy is, like, a, a, a Black women's organization on campus, and Bond is um, stands for Brothers of Nubian Descent um, on campus, and they, they co-host an event every year called Back to Black. It's always in February. Um, and it kind of like it highlights like art and culture. It's always like a it's always like a dinner aspect. So it's like round tables. And this one isn't it's in like New York Fashion Week. It's more like a gala kind of like really um, the Met. <laughs> yes, the Met. So there's a lot of formal things there. People like to dress up. Yeah, I want to say it's a lot, but why. people do love to dress up. So when it is then you have to. There's not too many. So I would say there's one tradition each semester where you dress. So like the fashion show is a different type of dressing up, but you still dress to impress. And that's in the fall. And in the spring, it's back to black. And that's where you dress up, dress up, if that makes sense. <laughs> I get it. Yes. That's pretty cool, though. I like that. I like that. It's a great time. So those are good. So I have a few traditions now. Oh, yeah. I, I... So many. Um, I've actually, so I have a question that I've heard from a few of our alphas on campus and like, they want to know, will you ever burst out a stroll with them? Like, <laughs> a question that needs answered. I've heard it. I, I, I can't say who said it, but I just, you might. I've heard it. Um, and yeah. just know they looking for you. I mean, here's, here's the deal. To, to my good brothers. <laughs> the, the, the reality is, you know, I told you I played basketball for many years. Mm -hmm. And um, I recently retired a couple years ago. The bat, my knee is not right. Okay, <laughs> so I can walk. But um, I'm, I love them. <laughs> but I'm just going to have to be rooting them on. Because I'll, <laughs> I'll be having knee replacement surgery. And... Um, and they'll be laughing at me, or they won't laugh. They'll they'll come with uh, with care packages. That's all they gonna have for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are, so you don't gotta wipe me down to you. No, no I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. Okay, uh, okay. Now, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see the last time that I um, rode out with the bros was. Okay. Um, I actually had on blue and white that day. It was at an alumni picnic. Mostly. I didn't even have on any frat gear, mm. but um, I jumped in the line with my with the brothers at an alumni event, and um, afterwards, my 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 brother, my actual brother, is also in the fraternity, 
And I told him on the ride, we were going back to see my mother. I said, that's the last time <laughs> I'm gonna ever do that again. <laughs> oh, that's cool. See, okay, you have to know now, there's another tradition, there's another tradition. And it was okay. hard to just pick one, but Hip Hop Wednesday, big tradition. And okay. a big part, it's a lot of like the multicultural, it's put on by OMSA, but it's a lot of multicultural organizations out there and especially MPHC organizations. So there's a DJ and they're, they, they, shout out DJ, DJ, but anyway, but if there, there's a DJ and it, they always play specific strolling songs. And if you're out there, people are gonna be looking. And they're gonna Let me gonna just say be, this. I'm gonna tell you how I'm gonna put this to rest. So <laughs> I, I've been working on, cause I'm, I'm, I'm big into the relationship between hip hop and the academic world. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working on this video that I ha- almost had done um, that laid out the relationship between hip hop and video. I actually gave a speech here to the grad students on the relationship between hip hop and research. And um, so I will, I will get that done before I leave Wash U. Drop that puppy on um, Twitter, maybe even Instagram. I'm on Instagram, but I never use it because Instagram is just, it's just too much for me. But, but um, I'm going to get that done so they know that I legitimately care about hip-hop. But um, that that stroll thing is going to have to, uh, I'm just going to have to be a participant observer. <laughs> Unfair. Unfair. You know, so it's going to be a couple people who hurt. I, and you I, know what? Like, yeah, I'm, we're just going to prepare you. Like Once you come on campus, like you can say that, like, okay, there's no problem. We'll make a stroll that meets your needs. And then <laughs> we'll come to you. We'll come to you. We don't drop we won't drop it too low. It'll be a simple little It'll be just some basic so they could get so they could get, get a brother out there, you yeah. know. Just just yeah. get you moving a little bit. Yeah. We All can right. boost you. I will de- you know. Maybe I'll go to the gym, work out, come from there so I'm nice and limber. All right. And you We're know, and then they could carry me to my car. <laughs> Ice packs. <laughs> I am tired of Hannah. She will literally watch you. She will watch you fall and be like, "That's crazy." No, I will be like, "What?" But uh, no, Doctor Tay, I'm gonna be like, "Y'all stop! Y'all stop now!" No, I wouldn't let you see it. I just crawl to the car. Nobody would know. <laughs> I said, "All right, y'all have a great day." Mm-hmm. All right, meanwhile, you. <laughs> you know, see that's messed up. Yeah, I'm about two years too late coming in. Like about two years ago, I might have given it a go. Boom, I'd have been out just there. Just two years, just two years. Okay, it was that soon. We can bring it back. That was <laughs> two years. That's yeah. I, I walked around the block. I walked around the block today at a fast pace and came home and iced my knee up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that, never mind. It might, yes, I understand it. No, I mean, I'm just teasing, but you know, the, rea- the reality is, I, it would have to be something special to do. I, something like, is there, is there an anniversary coming? You know, it's gotta be anniversary we're with gonna zero. We're gonna make behind. one. So we're gonna make I, one. What I, what I hear- It's gotta be anniversary with a zero behind what it. What I hear you know? is, oh, I was about to say, oh, well, so hear me out. So Founders Day this year, are you, are you saying that you would be, down. Is, that, is it a zero behind it? No. 
No. It's, an anim- it's annual, right? That's so, right. That, that ain't special. <laughs> That's, annual. I got to have a 70th, an 80th, a 100th, you know, 50th, uh, 60s, you know, something, we something got that I can, you know. We got six more years. Wow. Oh. I don't know how the knees going to look. I can take a 75th. <laughs> I don't know. Look, wait, last year, okay, well, nah, I'm just thinking, even if it's not specifically related to Alpha or NTHC, last year was the 50th anniversary of AAAS, and they always throw at those events, and that's an anniversary that is 51, 52. That's an even number. Hmm. So it looks like I'm I'm four years away. I I could come out, I could have my cane Mm -hmm. and I'd be looking like a Kappa. That's the, last, that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> you know what? And I can't. I, I can't argue it. And he has. I'm dropping the canes everywhere. <laughs> oh, I um. What I was gonna say is that listen, coronavirus has been a hard time for us all. Yeah. And I think that just being back on campus, that should make you want to dance right there. Yeah, I, I think that I, I just think the people need it. I remember one last year I had the idea back when um, John Dozier was a chief diversity officer. I said, listen, I think that we could we I mean, I think people students will pay good money to see a faculty staff yard show. Uh, former Greek faculty and staff members, I would pay 15 to 20 dollars off of it. And this is me not like as an alum and I, and as a student, like I will. I, Hands down. To see, I would love to see my favorite professors and staff members. So just, just you know. And, and this is the perfect time. Like Money gonna get a little tight around the university these days, and I think we have to be creative. We have to be creative in order to raise it back. That's hilarious. I tell you what, <laughs> uh, my wife is AKA, I, and I think she can still step. I put her out there as my proxy. She used to be the stepmaster. <laughs> So, you guys do a joint Pam Strong. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be beautiful. This is going to be beautiful. All right, I'll tell you what. That's it. If she agrees, if you all can convince her to come out and step, we'll come out and do a AKA Alpha thing. Miss Tate, we are ready for you. Y'all going to have to press in. It's going to be tough. Hannah, you better make that happen. Oh, no. I'm right when you guys get on campus. Oh. Oh, yeah. She said she wanted to meet, you know, the young ladies and folks there anyway. So that'd be your chance. I would set something up, and you, Hannah, you can try to convince her. Yes. She, the she would be like, is- "What? Oh. He told you what? When did he tell you that, girl?" <laughs> <laughs> All I have to say is get ready, Doctor Tate, because I think I think we I think we're gonna get her. It's gonna take. I know it might take a little bit of hugging and pulling, but I think we got it. You might so just get, get ready, get prepared, and we're excited. <laughs> I am over and listen, I'll, I will be in Columbia. So just let me know and I will be there because I need to, I need to see it. I need to see this. See you out there like this? I need to see it with my own eyes. <laughs> I need to see this because listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan. Woo, you might not be after you saw that. And you know, like, like oh, you, he, he said he went out the world backwards. <laughs> Oh my gosh, no! I'm gonna, and that's one thing about me. I mean, I'm going to, I'm gonna boost you regardless. You, you will not even know. I'm going to boost you regardless. Okay, 
Yeah, you got to hype it up. It's got to be hype. I promise you I will really get you a hype, hype crowd. It will be a hype crowd. Hype. Oh, we got you. So we got that, and you bring that, and it's going to be a great time once we get back to camp. Maybe I could just be the stepmaster, you know, and just orchestrate. Okay. You know, get okay. it tight. Sweet one. Mm-hmm. People are talking about you are serving content um, on this podcast. People are, I've read <laughs> Twitter, like, people are, love this. I am crying. What are they saying? Um... Like Leah was like my sister. She's just like I can. She said, anyways. William Tate is currently serving content on this podcast. I thought um, Asia Greenhill, who's going to be on the show later today, is I'm talking about going off in the chat. Said it was. We love you, Doctor Tate. I'm so thankful that this man is our provost, um, Doctor Tate. You are such a gem. Um, so there's so many students who are like really, really thankful uh, for this content. I'm so excited. Um, Imagine if they had me on Instagram stepping at the University whoop. of South Carolina. That thing, that thing would be epic. <laughs> you talking oh. about blowing up? Oh my gosh! I might, I might, I might have to leave that and be president of the United States. I mean, they would have me hooked up. And look, <laughs> yeah. are you talking about fan accounts? We only had one. I'm going into the political realm. So literally, we will get you elected tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. I said, this man has the moves and the brains. Oh, I tell you what, if you can convince the mayor to come out of retirement, he can have his cane <laughs> doing the Kappa thing. And I can have my, I'm just out there, but I would not use a cane. And we can see who survives a step off. Listen, he said nothing but a word. He has to say nothing but a word. Isn't he having a party tonight? Huh? Isn't he having a party tonight? Yeah, he having a party tonight. Oh, and he was just on here, Mayor Bitch. Oh, that's not. We're going to get it together, and it's going to be amazing. Oh, We have have to do that when there has to be a homecoming, hyped up. Bring home. Boom. Oh, this is, Listen. Hannah, are you writing this I'm, down? I'm taking notes. No, this you know, earlier. This is I a whole content sis. I'm quoting, I'm quoting it. Worth the content. You're going to win awards. You're going to win awards. I mean, now that I've said it, I might have to do it. But I mean, I'm, I'm not counting on him doing that. I, I think he and I could work out a deal where we could just make a, don- a small donation to, to the organizations and, and avoid doing all the uh, stuff. Don't you think that'd be more dignified? And you know what? Speaking of <laughs> donations, even though this is an amazing conversation, we all are here for one special cause to raise money. Do you see how I segue? You see how I hooked yes. you up? You hooked me up! The COVID-19 Emergency Relief Fund. And so all of our guests, we have been giving out the link for you guys. If you are um, willing and fortunate enough to donate, please do so, as well as if you could promote it on your social media, that goes uh, far beyond money and sometimes. And so that is very, very appreciated by us, as well as faculty, employees, students, everyone in the Gamecock community. And it really shows that you are excited to come and support Um, So um, update um, on the current amount raised. We now have 12 donors. Um, We've raised $611. Um, And we've been on the air since 4 o'clock. So very excited about that. Um, yeah, I can't so, believe it. So, Sierra, uh, 
Shout out Sierra. She is in Theta Yama Chapter with me. And she said, don't worry. She's actually going to be in 24 hours, less than 24 hours, the president of the chapter. She said, don't worry. I'm taking all the notes. We're going to get Dr. Tate to stroll before I graduate. So you got so you so is that the AKA chapter? Yes, Theta Yama is AKA, and then Theta New is the Alpha chapter. So, so we will see. So you have so so you have to catch up your Soro, my wife. Mm-hmm. and convince her or the mayor. So y'all have two pathways to make this happen. I want both. One I You're going to hook up, hook up with your sorority sister. And my daughters are AKA as well. So I have to introduce you all. We can get um, the whole family. And yeah, she just, she just joined. So she just had her first opportunity to get out in public and do the, you know, the whole, oh, yeah. I'm sure she'd be amped up, but now, if you, it would be too easy to get her, so I'm going with my wife. So okay. that, I'm gonna make this a little hard. A challenge. I love challenges, though, and I accept. <laughs> and you or, or better yet, if if the if the three of us got out there, and then you got the mayor, and then mm. we roll with that, that thing would be epic. I better be doing my yoga classes that you all have yoga in South Carolina. I need to get into yoga class. Bar three, Izzy Russian will get you in that orange theory. Orange theory. Oh yeah, I need I need to get hooked up so I you know then I don't have any excuses. And then after that, I can have my knee replacement surgery. And you know what? We'll raise so much money. We can do it. Yes. But thank you so, so much for coming on, uh, Dr. Tate. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I'm not going to lie. I'm one of my have, favorites. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have a blast. Um, you have such a great um, future ahead of you at the University of South Carolina. I know you're going to grow to love the place as much as I do. Um, I know Hannah's excited to work with you in the future. I'm going to be honest. I might not be a student, but you will see me go. Okay? Yeah, there you go. Yes, but we are so glad that we were able to have you. Uh, please share the link with all your everybody you know. And um, go back and watch Don Staley's part um, once we like post the rest of this. But thank you all so right. much. Well, good deal. You all take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. This podcast is a part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.